Hey everyone, today is Wednesday the 11th of May 2016 and this is The Gap episode 320. I'm Luke Laurie, Joe Gore is here this week. I was here last week for fucking most of it, Luke. I don't think you were. I'm like, like you wouldn't know because you were drunk. <laughs> I was I was drunk. It's like that uh, that interview that, that David Letterman did on um, with Joaquin Phoenix and at the end he's like, well... I'm sorry that Joaquin couldn't be here tonight. That was like uh, you last week. I don't think so. <laughs> yes. Um, also back, joining us once again, Mr. Stephen Farrelly is is in the house. In the house. Well, sort of, but yeah, I'm at least I'm at least here in some sort of spirit. Yeah, you're in your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in our house. You're in a house. I'm in a house, mm. which is not always the norm. No. No, not not this. Not on this podcast, it's not. Um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. There's uh, some big games that have been released and some that have, have been announced. So, um, yeah, huge week. So, where should we go? We want to talk about Steph Curry first. Was that the plan? Of course, yes. <laughs> so, he went off yesterday. The first ever unanimous P- MVP. Yeah, and 17, minutes in five min- uh, 17 points in five minutes of overtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's good. <laughs> he says as he's stuffing his face with what pretzels? Are you eating pretzels? It's no what. It's not the only. It's not like he scored the only twenty nine points that his team scored, right? Like I mean, whatever. No, seventeen points is cool. Nobody's ever scored tw- seventeen points before, so well done, Steph Curry. Yeah, thumbs up. What a what an achievement! Five threes in a single two for him or something. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Next. Yeah. <laughs> Does you- his team even hold the record for the most three? No. Oh, that's weird. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> mm. It's still soon enough, but... Will they? Will they? Yeah, probably you next fucking time. hope they, they would, because otherwise, you know, they won't be the team that de- does hold that record. To, you know, it's probably a bit of a worry for them. They're the team that's known for three-point shooting, but some other team holds the record and they set that record this playoffs series. He might break it just himself at the end of the, during like the finals, he'll do it just yeah. to show them up. You would hope that he would, you know, you'd hope that he'd be capable. I find it interesting <laughs> that fucking the James Harden didn't get a single MVP vote. That's bananas to me. James Harden, his team came eighth. That doesn't matter. How does that matter? His team came eighth because he dragged them into eighth. <laughs> mm, they're not very good. The Golden State Warriors won last year. The Golden State oh. Currys, I think, is what they're called now. Anyway, I'm shocked that the team with Clay Thompson, a spectacular three point shooter, uh, and two massive centers who are centers, centers. I'm air quoting, uh, who basically cheat. And uh, put up <laughs> moving screens on every single play. Uh, I'm I'm shocked that they've managed to do well. But uh, yeah, no, it's because they have another spectacular three point shooter. That's what it is. Obviously, uh, it's it's not that you know they're built around getting one or two people open all of the time, and uh, and they do that repeatedly. No, that's not it. Is, is, is the problem, Job, that you just you didn't jump on the curry bandwagon early enough, so now you're really upset about it because I'm stuck on the East Coast bandwagon. You know, like <laughs> I can't jump across to the West Coast. There's no way for me to jump. So 
You can give yeah, me. What happens, I'm when, fucked. what happens when KD goes to the to the West Coast? Oh, I'm I'm, I'm there. <laughs> to the West. Yeah, yeah. No, when he goes to the Lakers, I'm suddenly a Lakers fan. <laughs> yep, this is true. I take back all of the nasty things I said about the Lakers. <laughs> and there's so many nasty things that I've said about the Lakers. As soon as KD moves there. But he's not going to move there because, you know, why would he? Is he going to go to the Spurs? <laughs> oh, my God, no. They spent all their money on LaMarcus Aldridge. They're fucked. They can't even beat OKC. They're fucked. <laughs> Pop's just toying with them. He's oh, just yeah. taunting them. You fucking hope they are. <laughs> yeah. What if OKC beats the Spurs and then beats Golden State? Well, then Miami. Sorry, <laughs> not Miami. Uh, Toronto will win. <laughs> <laughs> because we all know that, <laughs> that Cleveland's not going to be in the championship. They've had too much time to rest. Like, they've forgotten how to play basketball. That's the game. Winning games in just four-game series. Like, how are they supposed to win when they don't play all seven games? It's ridiculous. They're not, you know, Ty, Ty Lu or whatever the fuck his name is, the David Blatt replacement, he's a shit coach. He should be coaching them to play seven-game series so that they actually have some idea of what's to come when they have to play OKC in a seven-game series. Yeah. they got no idea. I mean, and of course, Drake dropped a 20-song album (laughs) (laughs) just when Toronto needed that extra, you know, oomph. And sure, only two songs on the 20-song album are any good at all, and 18 of them are literally fucking dumpster fire garbage but two songs but two good songs by drake still better than kanye still better than kanye no (laughs) still better than anything lebron's released (laughs) (laughs) um well i don't know the heat heat's still in it at this stage for now yeah no i didn't my side get get he's out isn't he Huh? doesn't matter. D-Wade can grow like an extra two foot if he really needs to. T-Wade's got it all. Yeah. He's yeah. just going to carry the team on his back, just everybody. Everyone yeah. always talks about how good Monta Ellis is, but Dwayne Wade have it all, motherfuckers, okay? Like, he can do it all. He can do everything Monta Ellis can do. He's and, the and real like, MVP. Yeah, and he doesn't get any respect for it either. Well, he trolled the team the other day by, like, just resting the ball on the rim, right? Yeah. He did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and then stood there and looked at it. Yeah. He stood there and stared it into into place. He was like, I can stop it with my fucking brain. Yeah. Screw you, Curry. You can shoot threes from anywhere, but can you do this? Yeah. I don't <laughs> think so. MVP my ass. Unanimous MVP my ass. Anyway. <laughs> Basketball. All right. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first, other than other than sports? <laughs> Let's talk about Gems of War. Oh, that's Who me. The fuck has been playing Gems of War? <laughs> me. I'm on this uh, this mobile app like role at the moment. <laughs> so last let me I- get let me get this straight. You're playing Battleborn Tap, <laughs> yeah. Bat Lebron Tap, and you 
you saw one of the ads because you get all the ads so you can get all the bonuses because you need the bonuses to beat me. And you're like, Gems of War sounds like a fucking top game. And then you decided to play Gems of War. This is half correct. No. Um, yeah, I was going through some uh, the apps on my tablet because uh, I hadn't fired it off for a while and I, I needed something to do. Um, yeah, so I was going through some of the games and, and that was on the... I, I don't know, highest rated games or some bullshit. So I picked that up. And I thought, well, I liked the last couple of games I've done. Um, they've been pretty cool. And yeah, played a bit of this, maybe three hour, four, four hours, something like that. Um, and it's a free-to-play game, and I haven't run into a paywall as of yet, like where I'm stuck. Um, so I'm liking that part, whereas last week I was shitting on that other game I played, uh, the Candy Crush saga is that- oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you were hammering that yeah because yeah. because that's like some bullshit where you um you basically get to a point where you have to pay to play because that's their their i guess their marketing behind it or whatever that is their the way of making money. business model yeah but this one i'm not sure what it is at the moment it's um because i haven't gotten to anywhere where it's been like hey give us money because you can't progress any further so it seems to be related to getting better cards. That could be the thing, but I'm not at that stage where I'm willing to throw money at the game to be like, Wait, oh, so is it a card game? Um, so it's it's like, did you play any of the the other Puzzle Quest games? Yeah, it's basically Puzzle Quest, okay, um, but without the uh, RPG elements, like the top down view where you'd walk around and that sort of shit. It's pretty much just it gives you um, like an overall map, and you click on it, and then it's like gives you a bit of story, and then you go into the battle straight away. Um, so with this one, it's like a match three type game. Uh, you're versing another player, and there are um, abilities that each person has. That once they gather a certain amount of uh, colors, that that goes to their mana pool, and then they can cast abilities, and that causes different effects to happen, either defensive or attacking uh, spells. Um, and you're basically trying to wipe out, wipe out the other side that you're playing against, and. Um, as you progress further and further into the game, you start unlocking extra weapons or different heroes. And then these things have different abilities, different mana costs. And and it just keeps kind of rolling like that as you go through. And I'm actually quite enjoying it. It's, it's good fun. Um, I'm So is it by the Puzzle Quest guys? Yeah, it's by the Puzzle Quest oh, okay. guys. So the Melbourne studio. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called Infinite, something like that. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. You're the one who fucking playing it. No, I'm just trying going off the top of my head as okay. to what that studio is called. But yeah, it's it's by them. It looks like a puzzle quest game. You know, it's got the skulls in there that you match. All the colors are pretty much the same. But it's just got this cool mechanic where you're you're collecting cards along the way and you're switching in, um, you know, different cards to try and battle the other opponent because. Uh, you know, maybe you want to be collecting all the green gems but not the red ones and you've got to try and figure out a balance of, you know, what do I get? Do I let them get all the gems that they need to to make their um, abilities happen? Otherwise, I can kind of counterplay it and just, um, you know, work on my stuff. It's, yeah, it's some cool strategies behind how the game works. So I'm enjoying it quite a lot, but I haven't played too much of it apart from what I did on the weekend. But for a free game on the tablet or phone, it's it's pretty cool. That's the way I think that um, you should do your pricing models and those sort of things. Like, don't limit your user base to having to pay if you want to play more of it. <laughs> to it, uh, that's, gotten of, that's gotten out of hand at this point, hasn't it? So people kind of have to really revert back to the original model. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, they'd have to wind all the way back, huh? Hmm. Anyway, so I just... Sorry. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I just want to mention that. Like, there's a good way that you can do it, and there's also a shit way that kind of deters people from from wanting to play it. And I talked a little about, about it last week, how it's kind of... I feel bad because some people can get addicted to those types of games and then they start throwing too much money at it and they, yeah, it's all sorts of problems. They're just taking advantage of people that um, can get addicted to those sorts of games and that sucks. So, I would like to play a bit more and I guess I'll report on it uh, when I do run into that paywall, if I do. Um, It'd be good if they don't have one, if it's more like a, uh, I guess kind of like the way Hearthstone works where you can can play it for free, but if you want to spend money in it, then you can get cards that, that um you know you can get cards a lot quicker by doing it that way i hope that it's the same sort of pricing model that that seems like a good way to go about it um so yeah i just thought i'd mention that but uh also on phone games uh battle bron battle bron tap battle lebron tap battle lebron tap battle lebron tap amazing we've we've gotten into this one job we have a new tapping game not only have we gotten into it we've been dragging other people into it yeah into our trap uh, tapping uh, our tap trap goes <laughs> tap trap yep all right that's the new name of this episode <laughs> nice um i uh i'm just gonna load it up now uh i am currently at level 50 flats because i left it on off off all day while i was uh you know working uh I've reset a number of times. It's a tapping game, Stephen. Okay. Uh, so basically what happens is uh, if you or tap... Or a clicking game. Yeah, a clicking game. But uh, you tap and uh, tap on your phone and things die. Okay. And so the essence of the game is basically to make sure things die. But as you, uh, as you so tap... So like mm, You don't have to tap anywhere specific. So uh, right. it's, it's less... Less mechanically, yeah, uh, difficult than whack-a-mole. But uh, so once you tapped enough, you unlock, you know, heroes. So Battleborn has its heroes and you unlock these heroes and they do things in the tapping game. Uh, They basically tap for you. They do damage without you needing to tap. And uh, what you're trying to do is uh, maximize your ability to uh, not have to tap pretty much so you're tapping this tapping game where all you do is tap so that you don't have to tap at all right do, do you follow i do yeah if you follow me uh, <laughs> i i get that it doesn't make a lot of immediate sense but yeah. we can uh, see the, the look on your face we can see you yeah we can see the confusion <laughs> and and it's it's warranted because uh, it doesn't make a lot of immediate sense, but when you get into these games and you're trying to really smash out your ability to not have to ever tap this tapping game where the entire game is tapping, uh, yeah, you get you get into a really good groove. You get really, you know, uh, solid in that shit, I think. I, I don't know. I'm pretty good at not tapping. Despite, I, I think I am lower level than Luke. Luke, you're quite a high level, aren't you? Uh, I'm at about to crack 90. So a lot higher, higher than you, Job. Your ability to not, to not tap. is much better. Spectacular. <laughs> um, so, like, 
is what's the is is it is points the real like the only thing that you're really driving for or levels levels is your driving goal uh points don't really count for shit right but uh you as as you tap right once you reach level 30 you reach the you attain the ability to prestige like you might in call of duty but when you prestige you unlock like sort of bonuses so that you have to tap less and so you want to tap you want to prestige a bit but you don't want to prestige so much that it forces you to tap more and so the game begin uh like becomes this sort of balance between not tap not ever tapping if you don't have to and also tapping on the few occasions where you have to and then also starting over again where you definitely have to tap yeah all right so, i think i have to see this game in motion because it sounds like the most benign thing did you did you ever play cookie clicker i was going to ask hmm. if this is in line with that because yeah. you were obsessed with that for a while yeah. pretty it's, much it's, it's a cookie clicker pretty much uh yeah it's is it a cookie cutter cookie glitter it's it's got some differences you know uh it's it's definitely close to the uh the molds the cookie cutter shape but uh it's not directly out of the same recipe of cookie okay. uh but yeah you know i uh i don't find myself addicted to it like i have been other cookie clicker games other clicker games other tap games it's because you haven't found ways to cheat it yet that's what it is it's not about cheating luke it's about optimizing okay it's called (laughs) optimization not cheating and i would thank you to not refer to it as a cheat uh yeah being good at something steven do you think that's that's cheating i don't think so thank you you can you can still exploit though Shush, okay? Uh, exploiting is literally all these games are about, okay? So uh, you have to exploit every single weakness and uh, you have to assume that any weakness that exists to be exploited is there to be exploited because otherwise you just sit there tapping your phone for hours on end. So what you've done is you've just basically uh, suggested that all you have is a superiority complex and that these things... <laughs> are there to drive that in the sense that you're exploiting the weaknesses of the machines. If I'm not there to put the machines in their place, okay, Terminator 2 is what happens, okay? Terminator 1 is what happens, but with better stop-motion sort of animation. Um, Click motion? Click motion, yeah. Somebody has to be there to make sure... The, the robots never feel superior, and I am that person. Right. It's my burden burden to bear, you know? Yeah. Someone has to do it. We're here for you. You know that. Well, Luke's there trying to stop me because Luke is part robot. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke's there attempting to obfuscate shit and trying to make me think like I'm not doing a good job. This, this has been his long con. He's been on the podcast for... How long have we been going? Like five years, six years? He's been on the podcast for six years leading to this point in his attempt. But I'm already like four steps ahead of him because he's a shit computer. Um, (laughs) Speaking of uh, card games, though, I've been playing Hearthstone again. Yep. And I've struck upon 
the Hearthstoniest fucking deck of all time. It's called Lock and Yog. There's a new the new uh, expansion pack, Whispers of the Old Gods, is out. Uh, if you play it, you get guaranteed thirteen uh, card packs, so you definitely get a chance at some uh, decent cards out of your card packs. And uh, the first card pack you open is Cthun, and you get two other cards that synergize well with Cthun. Cthun's a legendary where when you play it, uh, you deal uh, to the enemy at random whatever uh, his current health pool is. So basically, he starts out 6-6, and uh, you play him, and he'll do 6 damage, but you get these two cards immediately when you open your first pack, and they can buff him. No matter where he is in the card deck with plus two. And so you can make him plus 10 almost instantly. And you get a bunch of other cards that buff him even more. And you can get him up to like plus 35, plus 40 kind of shit. Like ridiculous amounts. And uh, and then you play him and he does 40 damage to whoever is in front of him. And uh, if, if he doesn't kill you, you're probably fucked anyway. But yeah. That's it. That's an interesting card, but there's another... He's one of the old gods, so the, the expansion pack is the Whispers of the Old Gods. Um, another of the old gods is Yogg-Saron. What he does is when it... Uh, he will cast a random spell at a random target based on how many spells you've cast that game. And so there's a Hunter deck where basically you've got three minions total in the entire 30-card deck. Uh, One of them is a card that draws your other minions. And one of them is uh, Emperor Thrasian, and he uh, makes cards cheaper. And the other one is the third is Yogg-Saron. And everything else is a spell. Uh, There's a weapon in there, but... The other uh, 26 cards are spells. And uh, so basically what all you're doing is casting as many fucking spells as you can. And by the time you reach 10 mana, ideally you've got Yogg-Saron in your hand and you dump him down. And he casts about 15 random fucking spells. And they can do anything. They could like heal uh, your player or he might target your other, your enemy to heal them for fucking eight uh, eight health or anything at all. And it will fucking do it until all of his spells are gone. And uh, it's just chaos. And it's literally my favorite thing about Hearthstone is the way that the game is able to capture and manage the ability for the game to do all of those calculations for you. Like, if you were playing Magic the Gathering, there's no way you could play a card and then randomly cast uh, spells from anyone's deck ever, right? But in Hearthstone, it's possible because it's controlled by computer and they they, uh, embrace that idea. And uh, so Yogg basically embraces what I love about Hearthstone, which is fantastic. So there you go, card games. Speaking of card games, yeah, uh, I cheekily asked uh, the senior 
uh, animator from CD Projekt Red, Jamie Berry, who was out here recently. And um, I think Luke, did you get to speak to him as well, Luke? Um, I did, but I didn't interview him. We just oh, okay. chatted. Yeah. But he didn't really have a lot that he could actually reveal. But um, I kind of at the end, and this was the telling part. So I asked a bunch of questions that he literally couldn't answer. So he would be like, that's not really like my area of expertise, you know, uh, I'll give you my contact details at the end of the interview and you can, I'll put you in touch with the right people. That happened enough throughout the interview that once everything was done and dusted, the last question I asked was, so, you know, like there's a lot of rumor, there's a lot of speculation and there's a lot of want for a Gwent digital card game. Yeah. And it was the only thing that he said, no comment. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, and it was like everything about his body language was like, okay, I've been trained to like avoid this question. Like you've got like 40 years in the force, Stephen. So you definitely, you've seen this shit before. You've been in interrogation rooms and yep. Yep. Uh, you've seen perps like this before and this is how they react. Yeah. So in, in my humble opinion, mm. despite the fact that, uh, like forthcoming DLC is the last that we'll see of The Witcher 3, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we're definitely going to see a Gwent CCG digital game. Yeah, that's a I good call. I would play it, but I'll be surprised if they can balance it. I think oh. that's the beauty of Gwent, though, is like the strength of cards, which creates a better kind of quest to get more cards. The only thing is, would they put a paywall behind it or would you like kind of quest it in some way with like a single player thing? I don't know how, how you do that. Hmm. I think if they released, I, I think it would have to be free if they released it. Uh, sort of like a, also a bonus add on for loyal fans or something like that. Because if you made it, if, the, if you tried to make it, a full-blown game, you'd be stuck in the same sort of uh, area that uh, Wizards of the Coast are and Blizzard are in that they have to constantly balance that shit because otherwise, like, if you're if people are paying for cards uh, or paying for the opportunity to get cards, then you have to continuously balance it to make sure people don't feel ripped off or you're going to kill so much goodwill for your uh your entire like not just not just that game you know like that goodwill will transfer to other franchises and stuff so you got to really manage that shit the whole other spectrum here though is hmm. um when you look at CCG i mean Hearthstone has is like a shell of its former self like it it's nothing compared to where it began Yep. And that plays to your balancing point right there. But if we look at a game like poker or blackjack, yep. those games require just the same amount of cards and a mixture of um, intuition, skill, and a social component. So is there no reason that a Gwent game couldn't exist strictly as a social game where Everyone has access to all of the cards. You just choose a Skellige deck or you choose, um, you know, any one of the other decks and then you just play to RNC. Like, 
No, no, I, I 100% agree. I think what I meant was that it's either going to be that one-time purchase or free because you can't have people able to buy more cards. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I agree with that too. Yeah, because if you can't, if you can buy more cards, or if you have the opportunity to get better cards out of more decks or something like that, then then balancing is a critical issue. But yeah, no, absolutely. If you've got the one standard pool of, of cards, then yeah, I think I think the opportunities are fucking endless. Like I'd pay money for if if I got all the cards straight up, I would pay money for that. I'd pay money for Gwent. I fucking love playing Gwent. I love. Yeah, working that shit out, doing the maths in it. It's just one of those games that I click with, you know, like it's basic arithmetic, I guess. And, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast a billion times, but I'm, like, able to add any two numbers at the drop of a hat. 54, 63. Uh, That would be... (laughs) Fuck. uh, 117. Thank you and good night. That's wrong. It's 120. No, it's, what? 54 and 63. It's 117. That's what I said. You said 107. I did not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury at home, I think you will find that I said 117. Thank you and good night. Um, anyway, what else have we got? Uh, let's talk about... You know what? Let's talk about... Can we talk about Battlefield 1? We can. If you want. I, I was wondering if Luke was cool with it. Actually, uh, no, we're still talking about card games. Can we talk about Duelist for a bit? <laughs> Duelist is a weird little game that you can play right now at home for free. If you go to Duelist, D-U-E-L-Y-S-T, uh, put that in Google, uh, or you can go to Duelist.com and play free, and you can download the uh, like beta. And it's this uh, cool little hybrid uh, card game slash... Uh, turn-based strategy where you control a general on a field but when you need uh, help you summon other minions via cards and your cards can also possess spells and stuff like that and so uh, you do a lot of damage as your general but you're also able to sort of uh, yeah Summon other minions to mitigate damage or control the ball, uh, the like game wall and stuff like that. And it's got like, yeah, it's got a semi chess feel, but it's mostly, uh, it's mostly a card game. I think cards play the primary aspect of how you manage your uh, turn-based strategy sort of game. It's interesting. Uh, did you guys get to check it out at all, either of you? Nope. No, I didn't know about it until right now. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I find it very interesting. The art style is sort of reminiscent of, like, Bastion or uh, that other game that people who made Bastion made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, otherwise just a card game. Yeah, it is in... It's in beta right now. You can you guys can play it if you want. Um, it's no. it's pretty interesting. You don't have to. I'm not saying you have to. Like, just chill. Uh, but yeah, no. I, I found it. I found it fun. Uh, but I didn't finish all of the tutorial missions. Like uh, like in Hearthstone, uh, 
where you got to play all the fucking tutorials against all the fucking different people. You got to play the same in this, and I just got. I'm like, okay, I just, I'd prefer to play people now. I get this shit. I'd prefer to learn by doing, but uh, it doesn't give you that opportunity. It is in beta, though, so, yeah. Anyway. Fair enough. Uh, Battleborn. Let's talk about Battleborn. Battleborn. Okay. Battleborn. We'll roll into the other ones later. Okay. Yeah. Steve's um, like, oh, now I get to talk, but no. 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 Get fucked. Um, we've played a bit more, Job. We have played a bit more. Steve was Steve was playing with us though. Yeah, I played. Yeah. Um, so we we've played a bit more than you probably. Uh, maybe I kind of I kind of walked away from that session feeling like because everyone's sort of dropping the MOBA idea, and I thought it was probably closer to like a Diablo than a MOBA in that you don't really play like lanes or anything in that regard. It's at least in the single player or the cooperative player component, it felt more like you're just running around and grinding, you know, little grunts and then taking on big bosses, which is, you know, Diablo to a T. Yep. It's um, it's funny because obviously Gearbox has a really strong legacy in melding first-person shooter and Diablo. Uh, so it's clearly a no-brainer for them to, cl- compl- like, to create that sort of game. And that's how Battle... Like, Battleborn sort of... The way it's written, I don't know if you felt this way, Steve, but I felt like it was sort of like a, no Borderlands fan fiction almost. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like if they were going to play a shooter within the world of um, Borderlands, that's the game they'd play. Like you know, like Tiny Tina's uh, tabletop, uh, like pen, like pen and paper RPG yep. DLC. Yep. It sort of feels like. They've almost gone and done that. Like, this is meta. That is a fantastic way to look at it. Like, the story is... It would do well as a contained story within the Borderlands universe. But I don't think it does well as a contained story within its own universe. I don't think it has enough... I don't care about the universe itself. And they give you no reason to care about the universe itself because the universe is fucked. Except for Deltron. What? He's the only reason that you care about it at the beginning. The the song at the start. Oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> amazing. That shit's awesome. But uh, like this, the the universe is fucked. There's only one star left, and you're trying to save that star. But like, as far as I can tell, there's only twenty five people left, and the bad guy. So why the fuck do you care? Everyone else is dead. So fucking, you know, like, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even take that much information out of it. Like that's how superfluous it was to mm. me basically you just want to get in and use your powers and shoot shit yeah but when you're doing that shit it's good fun right yeah especially when you're doing it i think we locked out because that session was everyone in a room together and you just kind of like shouting at one another it's that kind of couch co-op thing that doesn't wholly exist that much anymore yep um and those environments are always really fun but i cannot foresee myself like sitting on my couch at home even with headsets and playing it like i just can't yeah yeah it doesn't really engage you beyond it's like it's funny to think of destiny as having an engaging world but it did right like it wasn't great compared to other mmos but it did have an engaging world (laughs) 
and Battleborn doesn't even manage that. Yeah. The essence of Battleborn, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is in its multiplayer, where it's actually really good. It's good. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of fucking, there's some significant fuck ups. I mean, the session that after you left, Steve, we stayed and we played a lot more uh, on console. And uh, we even had like 4v5 at one point and better still when it was 4v4. Um, it's a lot of fun when you're sitting in the same room as people or when you're sitting with people as a team and playing multiplayer versus like competitive multiplayer. It's a lot yeah. of fun. They really, they've struck on something pure there, but uh, there is a lot in the fucking way of people getting involved with that multiplayer. There is a lot. I, I, I brought this up with, Costa, who did the review for Oz Games, mm. and I, I was talking about how, um, you know, like you earn uh, the ability to upgrade as you go. So you like hold the D pad up, and then you, you know, hit um, R one and R two just to kind of do stuff on the fly. That seems like a ridiculous distraction while you're kind of just running around and shooting shit. Would the game have been better served having pre-mission loadouts based on? stuff that you've managed to purchase through playthroughs. So let's say you have a baseline amount of skill points, like 20 or something, and you just quickly go ching-ching-ching-ching-ching before you actually jump into the field because every every character is different as well. And then as you progress, so your actual persistent uh, character, you earn enough to be able to like get better loadouts every time you, you go out into the field. Yeah, that, that's like a MOBA characteristic where you get to a point after you've played them a couple of times that you understand, all right, this is the build that I'm going to go for, or you, or you get an idea of where you should be kind of going. Um, like I was playing a lot of uh, the healer, um, Miko is like the mushroom head thing. Yeah. And yeah, like when I jump into him now, I, I know exactly like what I should be pressing as soon as that screen comes up. I'm going to... You don't like, even think, right? Like you yeah. automatically pick the, I assume, the one in the right? Where? The right one? No, I go left. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't do it the slow. I go heal because I'm healing. I'm not I'm not disabling. You need some... Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. That explains why you're so shit at Mika. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> No, it's all part of it's all part of his ruse to make you think that he's human because he wants to kill everybody. Yes, instead of being the robot that he is, it's all adding up. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, once you kind of understand how they they work, you're not necessarily sitting there reading all this text. You're just looking at what the skills called, and then going, "All right, I'm using that one." Or and then you'll get to a point where you've played them enough where you just you just hit straight away the button that you want. Um, you, see, not- you see yourself ding. Like, well, I play as Wrath a lot. Uh, he's the guy with the two swords. And uh, I can I can pick what I'm doing with him without even fucking thinking. And it rolls in these, like, mutations to your helix tree as well, where you, uh, as you level up your character, you unlock the ability to pick, I think, up to five different uh, helix tree options. And it sort of adds them as a third option. And I think that's idiotic. Well, I think what's idiotic is that they never really uh, illuminate what those changes are ever going to be. Because I think in a game like uh, a MOBA, 
information is critical and it's already so hard for you to know what up like what your opponent is going to do because you only unlock like eight of the fucking characters out of the 25 from the get-go and uh you can't know what gear they've got so having them able to have different helix options midway through is crazy to me but um even like even with those involved, I still know as Wrath that I'm immediately going to go uh, like E and then E Q E uh, F I think, and then like just down the list. Like I already know. Yeah. As soon as I ding through, bang, that's what I'm picking. It doesn't matter what I what I'm doing. Like I don't even have to fucking think about it. I press one, I press E, and then I keep moving. As soon as as soon as it dings and it's that's i think it's important it's part of the skill ceiling of the game to force players to know to think about that kind of shit uh but also give them the ability if they think for whatever reason they need something different out of their character they need to be able to change that on the fly and the thing you were talking about the the concept of loadouts does sort of exist with gear Hmm, uh the gear that you can sort of unlock as you play the game, Steve, but I don't agree that that, I, I, I think that shouldn't exist at all, to be honest. I don't think that should be a part of the game really. Uh, Cause I think it hurts more than it helps. It's a, it's a sort of, they've borrowed a lot from league of legends uh, runes system, where as you uh, play the game, you unlock these runes uh, that you can apply to your character. But all it does, all that the runes do is punish new players for not having played the game for as long. Uh, and it forces mid-level players to basically read wikis or read websites about what the best rune to pick is. Which is not uh, what you want, especially coming into a game like that. Exactly. Uh, like you want to give people as much opportunity to make informed decisions as possible because that's the essence of uh, what's rewarding about a, a mobile, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. So, the moment, sorry, just to finish the yeah. point, the the moment that they tried to introduce runes to Heroes of the Storm, the fucking outright outrage about it was fucking like significant like people were straight up quitting the game forever shit like oh if if heroes of the storm is gonna have runes then i'm fucking done with it like i don't care like it's it's clear that they have no fucking idea about what could possibly make this game accessible so i'm fucking done like that's how how much people hate runes in league of legends and yet battleborn was like yeah it's a fucking good idea yeah i think what like cons- it'd work if um you mentioned how like new players are up against you know maybe mid-tier players and, and so forth but like if the matchmaking actually worked in theory the mm. new players should be playing against people with their same skill level and then haven't unlocked any of this gear right. but that's not what that's not what's happening at the moment no. um like we went up a game we, we played someone i think the weekend where it was like me you drew and two other random people we got matched with this like this team of um i think at that stage we were all i think i was the highest maybe level nine yeah and then you were maybe eight and drew was maybe seven Mm -hmm. and then we had two guys on our team who were like three level threes um and then we got matched up against players that were 
level 30, between level 30 and 48 or something like that. Um, and just like we were on a pretty good roll that night. I think we won seven straight games. But the problem like at that stage is you're not relying on um, pure skill anymore. You're also relying on them having better gear loadouts than you because once you hit a threshold i think it's level 30 you get to unlock epic gear tier like epic uh weapons or gear to use whereas we haven't hit that stage yet so we're yeah. we're already disadvantaged at that that point um and then like another issue which which we ran into was people have already figured out ways to like fuck with the game's mechanics and um yeah basically ruin the game at that stage and battleborn or gearbox isn't nimble enough to rectify the problem straight away yeah yeah like if something like that were to happen and it's happened a lot in dota valve is really quick on fixing that sort of shit they can sometimes have a patch out within hours yeah like if somebody finds a really big bug um someone will post it on reddit and it'll be rolled out in a matter of hours like you've got to really be on the ball for that because uh, that can just ruin your game. Like, we we stopped playing after that because we got matched up against those guys straight away. Like, the next game yep. was the same five stack again. Yeah. And we were just like, we're not going to do that again. What's the fucking point? What's the point? They're just going to do the same thing. Um, yeah, they were literally just sitting there with their penguin, the penguin character, Toby, and they were able to one uh, two-shot anyone. And because they were able to do that, they were able to stack up shitloads of XP. They were also able to deny us the ability to even contest the lane, uh, which meant that basically, uh, yeah, we didn't we're, like we weren't able to do anything in an entire lane, uh, which is just garbage. Yeah, uh, you can definitely you can definitely counter Toby. I mean, I, I looked into it pretty heavily afterwards, but we didn't have the resources required to counter him like we didn't have the you would have to specifically go out to yeah. counter him and but, but when it doesn't show you that to begin with you don't know what you're going up against and when you haven't unlocked every character and yeah exactly like you you could you, we could have gone uh say miko and galileo which is a hilariously overpowered combo um because miko uh, sorry galileo has a ludicrous amount like fucking wrath has hilarious lifesteal right like i have been getting 15 plus kills in games uh and dying less than six times less than five times even like just fucking burning motherfuckers i've got like a pentakill and shit uh an entire team wipe as wrath and then i unlocked galilea and even I think she's overpowered. It's fucking ridiculous. Because Wrath, every time he hits someone, he steals a bit of life from them. He gets a bit of life back from the damage he does. Galilea has a fucking circle around her. And anyone standing inside that circle, she steals life from. And she has other abilities on top of it, which give her more life steal. It's She's fucking ridiculous. And she has a shield, which allows her to mitigate damage. And... You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's fucking bananas. She's a ridiculous fucking character. But if you combine her with Miko, you can actually run in and kill Toby and everything's cool. It's just ludicrous that you'd have to specifically have geared towards doing that to fucking stop this goofy fucking five stack. 
It's yeah, it's one of those things that I haven't done any. The another big one that they have is uh, incursion. In incursion, Toby or um, Marquis, they're both they're both pinpoint precision shooters, and uh, they're both able to stand in a certain position in the map yeah. and shoot the enemy team's sentry while being completely uh, safe. Yeah, which is the point of the the that's the mode. <laughs> so in incursion, you're supposed to to push your minions into the opposing team's sentry, usually via team fights, uh, so that the the minions will take down the sentry's shield, and then you can get in and do damage to the sentry. But they can stand in a position on the map and just do damage to the sentry without ever being vulnerable. And they haven't fucking fixed it yet. It's crazy. Like, where they're fucking... It's been a couple of weeks now, and they still haven't done anything about that, which... Yeah, we're at a point now where it seems like it's it might be a lost cause. I mean, I'm looking at Steam charts right now, and Battleborn is ranked number 47 uh, behind games like Europa Universalis 4. Mm-hmm. which is a lunatic grand strategy game. Euro Truck Simulator 2. Uh, also fo- a lunatic strategy. <laughs> um, Football Manager 2015 and Football Manager 2016. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah. The player numbers for this game are just in the fucking floor. And it's really depressing because I think it's better... It's better than its launch has been. Like, it's actually a really good combination of first-person shooter and, and MOBA. Like, they seem to f- to properly understand both types of game. It's like when they attempted to combine action RPG and shooter with Borderlands, and they fucking nailed it. Like, they f- they get it. They get the, the loot chasing aspect, and they get the shooter aspect. And they already nailed the shooter aspect with Borderlands, so all they had to do was really understand the MOBA aspect. And they got it. They just didn't do anything to make people want to play it. Yeah. Which is depressing. Uh, if, if it were, like, I will continue to play it, because I... Uh, when I can get into a game and fucking the wait times are at seven plus minutes now, which is disgusting. Uh, but when I can get into a game, I have a lot of fun and, and I enjoy it even when I'm losing. Uh, although obviously I rage, but I enjoy it even when I'm losing, which isn't something that's, you know, yeah, native to me. Commonplace. Um, but yeah. um, just going on like the player base job, I'm just looking at it what it is at the moment mm. it's got less players playing than siege does at this time yeah so it's dropped like a lot <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well, i mean sorry it hasn't even dropped a lot it, it looks like it just i ne- just never made it up there yeah yeah uh it's almost got like borderlands 2 almost has more players that, than yeah I, I it's I don't know. It's like they sent it out to die almost instantly. Uh, I don't know. I keep wondering. I keep wondering if if I were some sort of forensic accountant, could I dig into Gearbox's finances and find... Have you guys seen The Producers? Uh, bits and pieces. The TV show? The the Mel Brooks movie. No. Uh, it's, I know uh, more of it from Curb than I do from actually having ever seen it. Well, it's a fucking classic. It's about these two producers who 
latch upon uh, this idea of uh, creating a uh, a movie or a a play that is so abhorrent that it has no choice but to fail. And when it fails, uh, they've insured it for millions and they reap all the insurance money and they make off like bandits. Uh, And then... It's a Mel Brooks, Brooks film, so, uh, so it winds up doing very well just to fuck with them. But, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if Gearbox might be incentivized. Sometimes I wonder if Gearbox might have incentives to fail. I don't know. Because sometimes they just alien colonial marines and... Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. And, like, there was no... There was, a, there was almost too much transparency behind that once the game was released and they were like, oh, we know what we showed wasn't wholly, you know, what uh, indicative of the final experience. So whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. It was pretty nuts. And then, I mean, you were with me when we had, when we did that phone with Randy and you got to visit us um, because we were saying, you know, why are you releasing the pre-sequel on old gen when next gen is around the corner? And he was like, there's no like numbers yet. Nobody cares about next gen just yet. And then, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> um, okay. Well, Whereas like on the other, on the other spectrum there. So they, they, they seem happy to release whatever is sort of put in front of them and they'll just get it out and done. Yeah. Whereas you look at something like battle cry, which was announced before it had been in beta even before Battleborn was. Yeah. And that's all but can because, mm. um, they just knew that it wasn't going to work. Yeah. So, yeah, it does speak. Um, there is a there is quite a good question there, Joe. I think the problem is that like you've got they're going up against games like League of Legends and Dota at the moment. But are they? Are they really? Yeah. Do you think that a shooter. Well, I mean, these the Borderlands creators is actually going to go up against League I of think Legends and Dota. If they're going up against anything, they're going up against a fucking. Deliberate, a deliberate screw job from Blizzard, who released their Overwatch open beta mm-hmm. the same week that Battleborn launched, and it wasn't. It's not some fucking accident. Nobody believes that it was a fucking accident. Like they deliberately did it, and Overwatch, Overwatch's influence was devastating it was devastating to every single game population except for dota 2 because dota 2 players are fucking lunatics <laughs> yeah i saw this post right <laughs> yeah someone did the metrics steve are you no it wasn't the metrics it was like steam steam spy yeah this, the steam chart yeah it was steam spy it was steam spy itself uh like did the fucking the metrics on it they worked it out, and Team Fortress Two and Counter Strike and fucking all these games, Civilization, really. yeah, were all these the games that are always at the top five of Steam charts, all took hits the moment Overwatch dropped. Except for Dota Two, which stayed exactly the same because Dota Two players don't give a fuck. They're <laughs> like your casual game, uh, <laughs> your, your casual yeah, Overwatch. Yeah. Have fun with your fucking whatever. Okay, I'm I'm still playing Dota too. Fuck it, uh, <laughs> lunatics. They're all lunatics. <laughs> but that is all of the Dota two we're going to talk about on this podcast. But but also like the just the confusion in the market by people not understanding that they're completely different games. Yeah, and it just yeah. being like, well, it's a shooter, right? Aren't they the same game? But they're not. One is like 
One is very Team Fortress-based, like, influence, and the other one is uh, MOBA-based influence. They could they play completely differently. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, like, I, I, I think people still don't get how different they are. Uh, and I, I don't think people ever will because people aren't ever going to play Battleborn. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I wonder, like, why... Yeah, like why it just didn't sell? Is is it because they they didn't market it well, or was it just that the people that want to play these types of games are playing League of Legends and Dota? Because like it's been proven before, Monday Night Combat was a game that was very similar, or even Tribes. Um, yeah, you know it may not be exactly the same type of style, but it's pretty close in in terms of the way it plays. I think. I think. So you, what 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 you're suggesting then is that. These games that tend to bring in new audiences, they just kind of float um, around the same circle. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I think, and and I think what didn't help is that ultimately Battleborn uh, did a lot right, but it made a lot of core fuck ups as well. Like the matchmaking system is garbage. Like. We're not talking about, like, it's bad that it puts you up against pre-maids who are fucking 40 levels above you. That's bad, right? That's an, that's the evidence of a lack of skill-based matchmaking. But it's worse than that. We're talking about it will try to find a team of five and then it will try to find a team of five to match you up against. And that's not, that works in some games, but it doesn't, it doesn't need to happen outside of fucking, like... I think outside of ranks, like you just need 10 yeah. people to fucking play a game, right? You just need 10 a, people. Is that a 2K problem? Because Evolve's matchmaking was horrible as well. Is it? Are they, it are made they some of the like fucking exact same mistakes that Evolve makes, and it's uncanny that it would be. Yeah, so, so that, the question then is, is, is that a gearbox problem or is there a greater 2K problem where that sort of exists? What, like uh, some sort of 2K producer who has their fingers in the pie? No, maybe, like I'm saying, maybe their online division is, like if that's an in-house 2K thing. Yeah. The devs. Like this is our style guide for how you do matchmaking. Well, there were some other, like some things were are separate from the online <coughs> matchmaking though. Like the uh, the fact that to unlock like other characters, you have to complete certain uh, bullshit skill things like kill 800 generate enemies and you'll unlock one character shit like that is similar to how in evolve you'd unlock uh abilities for your fucking hunters by like following your dog for fucking 8,000 meters whatever the fuck shit that isn't necessarily organic to the way you play it and it, it recurs it's it's a recurring feature in 2k games and it shouldn't be like I understand why they're doing it, but it's sort of like reading from the fucking 101 book of how to gamify your game. Like, oh, people like goals to to strive for, so make them kill 800 or something or whatever the fuck. Like, that's exactly... Like, they keep fucking doing this shit. They keep doing it over and over again. It's not just matchmaking. It's, it's something more, I don't know, pervasive within 2K. It's not just... The online itself but there is a fucking recurring theme of fuck-ups that happen in 2k games and i don't understand why because they don't have to be fucked up like i i still think evolve had way more potential than it achieved but oh, like 
I mean, without, they fucked it. They definitely fucked it, right? They, like, screwed, they screwed that game out of the gate with like just the number of paywalls they had and yeah. the the staggered release of bits and pieces. Who who knows how much of that was even on disc? Like, I'm not even sure, but uh, I'm so I'm so bitter about that game going the way that it went. Yeah, me too. Because I wanted I wanted Evolve to be good. Because I wanted because it was different. It was different, and it seemed like it could really be exciting. And then, but you know, like Two K didn't fuck that one though. Like Two K, I, I guess Two K did fuck it, but like Two K just they fucked it by uh, failing to do anything. Because THQ fucked Evolve. THQ dictated the uh, terms of the DLC and and the specific uh business uh model for evolve and then 2k bought it and they kept it intact when really they should have fucking gone uh yeah people are never gonna buy fucking 400 worth of fucking dlc that's never gonna happen we should scratch this shit but they didn't they were like oh fucking what you reckon people are gonna buy 400 worth of dlc fuck yes let's get that and uh yeah someone there was someone asleep at the wheel, but uh, I don't. I don't think two K necessarily. <laughs> yeah, well, he's definitely asleep at the wheel. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, Battleborn. Uh, I wouldn't. I would no longer recommend it as a buy. I will continue to play it, and if we're friends on Steam, I'll play it with you. But uh, I would no longer recommend it as a, a purchase until it's on sale or some DLC drops and people start to play it again. Uh, it is actually tracking higher than it has been today, which is depressing. Yeah. I think they've they've just got to be on the ball with updates and support with the game, but they haven't at the moment. That's the thing. Like, the game's yeah. been out for a week now and not much has been done to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. this will be that telling moment where... Was it just to get it out, get it done, cash a check, move yep. on to the next one? Mm-hmm. I mean, or it's... Will like, we, like, let's try and be persistent with this and see what we can make. It's concerning to hear that they're already working on Borderlands 3, I think. Because this sort of game, if you want people to be invested in it, you need to know that it's going to be around for a couple of years, not just the length of a season pass, you know? Yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess we'll talk about. I just added to the list, but Rainbow Six Siege has some stuff coming out. It does, yeah. Tomorrow, <laughs> um, and they've handled their online community brilliantly. They are fucking nailing it. Ubisoft are doing way better than I ever expected, to be honest. Which is, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's sad for Ubisoft, but it's it's. <laughs> It's a good sad result, that they, though. That you have that expectation of yeah. them. Yeah. sad that my expectations were so low, but it's awesome that they're exceeding them. Um, what else are we talking about? Who's been playing Uncharted 4? Uh, I played yep. some. Yep. You too. Okay. I still haven't played it, but let's hear it. Uh, where Have you finished it, Steve? No. Um, I'm aiming to kind of get my review up by Friday because I wanted to do some multiplayer, um, and I knew that it was going to not yep. be great out of the gate. Um, but I'm... I don't know how far in are you. Uh, well, it only came out what yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I started. I played. I had a little bit of time in the last night. I'm about three hours in. Okay, so you've yeah, you've pressed like three buttons. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> is it that bad? No, it's like, not that bad. He's fucking. No, it's it's pretty like it's pretty bad. <laughs> Two things. First of all, it's definitely very bold what they did, and I'm going to cop so much shit once my review drops. But like, I really appreciate what they did. So basically, Joe, not to not give anything away, the first part of the game is you kind of escape this scenario with your brother, and then time kind of moves forward and you're Nathan Drake post the other uh, three games and you're with your wife, um, Ellie, and you you guys kind of have this kind of post-adventuring life together where you're married and you live in this house and Nate's got this job and his skill set's really high because he can go and find things for these people, but it's like it doesn't have the same adventure component. Um, And that's all well and good. But the, the, the length of time in which that's told and the amount of interaction you ha- actually have with that is like at complete odds with one another. And you're basically putting the controller down and not in a good Metal Gear Solid way where you just kind of sit back and go, what the fuck's he going to throw at me this time in terms of cutscenes? It, it's just, it gets really boring. And when I say it's bold, it's bold because they test the patience of players. Um, but it's what it ends up doing is it becomes in my opinion, sort of this metaphor for what that series actually really is, which is just Naughty, dog, direct- <laughs> Naughty dog just directing you and you thinking that you've got some form of control over. The illusion of control. The illusion of control. And the gameplay loop is climb, shoot, escape. Climb, shoot, escape. Every once in a while you can do some stealth stuff. Oh, and you can swing on a rope now, which is like the main gameplay innovation. Um but it's not even, you know, it's the same as Far Cry. It's only at certain points that you can actually use the grappling hook. Unlike a game like Dying Light where you can just use it any fucking way you want. So they're just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, it's, it's gorgeous. It's like got really fun components, but it lacks, in my opinion, a lot of the charm of the other games. And there's no call to action outside of the very first 10 minutes of play until like a couple of hours later on. Yeah. I'm um I'm actually really enjoying it. I <laughs> I I was quite surprised like it's a completely different game to the other ones. This is like a it, it feels a lot more like a film like you're watching and playing a, a movie. That's what um, I'm talking about. Yeah, and like I kind of like that you get this backstory about like how Nathan Drake is now he's like retired and uh, he's swelled for this shit type of thing. And then, um, you know, the, the stuff with his brother and how that kind of ties into their relationship. And like, I, I'm cool with seeing all that sort of stuff. Um, and then getting into the game, I've like, I'm not that far in. I'm only past like the second or third action sequence, but, uh, like, I like the way it's kind of directing you into all these big set pieces and how it, it just seems like, even though it's, it's not like this open world. It it feels like I'm kind of discovering where I should be going, but I'm not. It's kind of just, it's it's just directed really well. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's again, it's the illusion. So they think that they're making you think that you're making these really great decisions, but ultimately the game is just siphoning you along a very linear path in order to get you to the next cutscene because those guys just like jerk off over their own storytelling these days. So it's, it's about, are you saying it's like conditioning you? It's like it's Pavlovian. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. 
So that has always sort of been the uncharted mantra, though, right? Like to condition you into thinking that you're taking the right path. And they have done it traditionally through ultra-clever level design or like uh, subtle, very, very subtle uh, navigation tools. Uh, You don't feel like that's in play, Steve? Or is it just that... You've seen behind the curtain and you can't. After playing playing, um, Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider, which kind of allows you to, you come across a a beginning point for a hub and then that hub becomes replayable in a Metroid sort of sense where you get the ability to kind of progress in different ways. Um, But you become intimate with that area. It becomes a sandbox, so to speak. Um, not necessarily player agency style in the sense that it's dynamic or anything, but you can become attached to that place. Whereas in this, it just feels like, well, the set pieces are, are grand and they're awesome, but once you kind of get there, you you get to the beginning of it and then you just get pushed through to the end. So there's no, you don't really get to explore in the sense that Nathan Drake would explore. So, a couple of the um, treasure kind of components tend to give you this idea that you're out there seeking a treasure, um, which is something that Tomb Raider does. But in Tomb Raider, you kind of do feel like you're exploring, whereas in this, it just kind of feels like there's only one way to get to that point. And once you get there, you get the treasure and then you've got to get back and then get the story moving again. So the story takes huge precedent over... Um, any player, um, I guess, driven uh, like narrative or, or um, yeah. that sort of stuff. And it just, I feel like it's not my story that I'm playing. Whereas even though the Lara games tend to are sort of in line with the Uncharted games, I still feel like I'm helping Lara and I've got a little bit more agency than I do as, than I, I do currently as Drake. But that being said, um, I'm actually still not finished. Um, Uncharted either, so I'm gonna like basically spend all day tomorrow giving it a good hog, yeah, and probably knock it out. And um, I'll reserve complete judgment until then. But yeah, I will say this though: headshots finally count. Oh, how is the shooting overall? Is it still a fucking square box, or is it proper fucking aiming? It's a square box, but the headshot uh. headshots count. I turned off um, aim assist and all that sort of stuff, so yeah. I'm playing on, I think, right. the second highest difficulty that it lets you play on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can put it on baby mode if you want, Joe, but it'll let you. Good. Fucking good. And fuck you. Uh, I have a question. Um, I know that they added Crash Bandicoot style running towards the camera, boulder chasing you kind of stuff to Uncharted 4 because people have been talking about it on Twitter. I wonder if that is... You can actually play Crash Bandicoot in the game. I also read about that, but I felt like it was too much of a, a spoiler. But thanks, Steve. Uh, spoiler. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like right at the start of the game. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, thought it, I thought I was being spoiled when people were like, oh, you can play Crash Bandicoot in the game. Look at these fucking, look at these gifts. I'm like, I don't want to look at these fucking gifts. Why, why wouldn't I want to find this shit myself? 
But, you, uh, you won't find it. This is this is our point. Yeah, yeah, I get it now. It doesn't uh, hold up either. It doesn't fucking hold up. Oh, shit. Uh, but yeah, so if you're <laughs> running towards the camera being chased by a boulder, that seems like, to me, it seems like the uh, essence of your complaint, Steve. Like, does it wind up feeling like every set piece would be, but for its perspective, just you running away from a boulder? Yeah. Yeah. The, the the open the open sandbox moments are literally in combat, which they've always been. They're just bigger now with yeah. more degrees of um, uh, t- like ta- tactical kind of play, and more often than not, you've got you've got someone with you, like an AI character with you, helping you, and they're better at flanking and all that sort of stuff. So that, but it, it's the illusion of open space and like. I would love to play an open world Nathan Drake game or an open world Lara Croft game. Like those games feel to me like they should just be like the Witcher and I can just go and do whatever I want with the tool sets that they give you in the confines. Yeah. But um, I think this is the most linear that the series has ever been. And, um, but that could also just be because I was expecting now that we're on PS4, this is the fourth game in, that we might get like a, a kind of a broader player-driven element to it, and it just—I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just like I ha- had too high expectations for it, or maybe just be, being that you've played the last four Naughty Dog games, being one charted one through three, and The Last of Us. Maybe you're just done with the formula. Maybe you just recognize the formula and. <laughs> It doesn't hold any surprises for you anymore, despite yeah. their attempts to obfuscate it. Yeah, that's Interesting. Uh, disappointing, though. Um, I will still play it, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I'm less inclined to. I mean, I actually didn't like Rise of the Tomb Raider as much as you seem to, Steve. So uh, that makes me even more worried. But uh, Yeah, I might be in the minority, I think. I think you are. <laughs> Judging by the scores. Um, well, come on. Everyone wanks over Naughty Dog and Uncharted, so. Yeah. yeah, Luke. Yeah. Did you try the photo mode? That's amazing. Every game should have a photo mode. Oh, my God. Most <laughs> games do now. Yeah. Every game with the uh, every game with an NVIDIA 1080 installed will have a fucking photo mode. Have you seen this shit? Fucking insanity. Hmm. You're going to be able to, like, fucking use the inbuilt engine of the fucking video card to take photos at ridiculous resolutions and shit. That thing I actually like think, I, I shit. think the Batman Arkham Knight photo mode is better than the Uncharted. Oh, shit. Because you can, you can move so much more freely in the Batman photo mode, whereas the Uncharted one is, like, pretty limited. Yeah, but it's Just Batman. Like in game. Oh. Yeah, but Batman is running, like, four frames per second. That was the... That's so much <laughs> on easier. PC, on PC. On our console, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, cool. What else? What's what's up next? Uh, what do we talk about? Witcher 3, Blood and Wine. You both, you've both talked... Played this rather? Yeah. Have you not played it, Job? Shut up. No. <laughs> he's only he's only allowed to go there when Dark Souls is, is like in question. That's the only time I'm a, an actual human being to them. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, Job exists and he liked Dark Souls. Yeah, fuck yeah, get him along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Blood and Wine is the last expansion for The Witcher Three. 
Um, recording all oh, the Witcher games. That seems to be like the thing they're touting at the moment. Is like this is Geralt's last story. Oh, hmm. I don't like that at all. Um, their team is so big now, and they've got so much money. Like they've become the next rock star. But they got to make this uh, cyberpunk, right? Yeah, so split the team up. No, you just fucking all do cyberpunk. Come on. What, Come you don't want to play Witcher? I'll play Witcher till the day I die. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read The Witcher till the day I die. I don't know if I care too much about playing it, but uh, yeah, it's a spectacular <laughs> world. So this one, it's a different area, right? Yeah, Toussaint. Toussaint. And uh, what's the what's the inspiration for it? It seemed like it's like uh, uh, it's like knights and chivalry and Arthurian. Um, you know, there's a lady of the lake. Um, when you get there, there's a tournament going on where all the knights of the land kind of come in and um, they're trying to impress the duchess. And there's this grand castle and all these tiny little villages uh, eke out of that and. Um, the whole place, you know, like, remember the first time you got to No Man's Land after you left White Orchard and you're like, fuck, you know, there's like people hanging from poles with Hessian bags over them and mm. you're just trouncing through mud and there's crows everywhere. It's like the polar opposite of that. But because of the nefariousness uh, of the case that brings you there, it makes it sort of even more engaging because beneath this wonderful exterior is this kind of really dark uh underlying kind of yeah just evil and it's i'm so hooked already it's out of control cool luke um yeah like getting like within the first maybe half an hour of jumping back into it it was like fuck yeah i'm back in like i remembered why i really liked the witcher 3 um because you spend a good chunk of that first part of that game just listening to story. And yep. I'm okay with that because the storytelling in those games are amazing. Um, yep. And it's something I spoke to, and I told you this, I spoke to the developers about. I was like, um, you know, I said that, you know, I really loved The Witcher 3 and, uh, you know, it's got some of the best storytelling in there. I think that the stuff that you guys did with the Bloody Baron was amazing. And I was like, just jokingly, I hope that guy got a raise. Uh, and he was like, actually... Uh, he got promoted to lead quest designer, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." So he's been doing. Um, he's been in charge of all the quests for the, the, these expansions, which is cool. So he fucking should be, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Hearts, Hearts of Stone was amazing. I still haven't played it. Oh man, like if you love the storytelling, and I know you've got like a real problem with the combat. Like, yeah, they've combat, changed yeah. the combat. It's it, that's definitely fundamentally changed as well. Okay, but um. Just Hearts and Stones story is far more intimate than The Wild Hunt, and it's better than The Wild Hunt, in my opinion. Even that's a bit shorter. Okay. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, no, I've, I've been looking for an excuse, but I was sort of waiting for all of the DLC to be out before yeah. I got back in. To well, make- now, they've got a, now they've got this new one uh, raises level cap to 100 and, and brings in New Game Plus, so it's probably worth waiting, okay. worth having waited shit yeah cool yeah. awesome yeah but like steve said like the moment you get in there you notice that it's a completely different place everything like there's bright colors all over the place you can see really far into the distance um they actually showed me i don't know if you saw this steve but they showed the 4k resolution version of it like, oh, i didn't see it he was pretty excited to show us this 
Um, and he went to like the highest point at the top of this castle and just like, yep, this is the game in 4K. And like you could look out and see over mountains like off the distance. He's like, I know they say it in a lot of games that like you can go over there and that sort of thing. Um, and But you could actually see those parts of the area in, in 4K. Wow. It's really cool. looked amazing. Um, but just like the, the detail that goes into the game and the level of uh, narrative and dialogue choices that you can kind of go through and um, – Something that I, I wrote in my preview was that it took me a little while to get back into the combat. Um, they put it on easy for us because they were still working on balancing, but I had a bit of a, a tough time fighting one of the first bosses, and I'd kind of forgotten that, oh, yeah, this is the Witcher. I need to go in and do my preparation. Mm. I need to read up about what I'm about to take on, what are its weaknesses, what should I be equipping, like that sort of stuff, and... I was getting like my ass handed to me the first couple of times I went in and it wasn't until I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I need to do all this other stuff um, that <laughs> I kind of figured out, all right, I'll apply this potion. I'll make sure I've got these bombs equipped. Uh, I'm using these signs when I go into the fight. And that was when things started to swing more in my favor. And, uh, you know, not many games do that. Your Dark Souls is, is similar. Like you got to try and figure out the thing to try and beat beat your enemy and that's that's one of these games as well if you're going with the wrong approach you're just going to get smashed yeah yeah absolutely and the big one of the big other components is um you finally get a house and it's not just a house and it's an estate oh, okay uh, so and what it does is it does a couple of things so similar to skyrim like you build a house and then you can go sleep in your bed and get like a buff for that and you can you can now like if you've got like let's say you collected um all the different Witcher armors but you only particularly use one you can actually mount them now and put them on display. Um, you can create an herb garden which allows you then to go back home and just get your own stuff for alchemy. Um, you can build a stable for Roach and the uh, stable gives Roach buffs. Um, but they've gone a little bit further in that um, these things take time to build in-game and they cost money, which, one, doesn't just fast-track all this, you know, ability for you to kind of have stuff at your fingertips. Um, and two, it makes money meaningful for players that have played right through and have, like, eked out a huge wage for themselves um, because it's not cheap. And... Um, They've done other cheeky things like you can put books on shelves and stuff like that, so similar to Skyrim in that regard. Um, but this is the part I'm the most uh, excited about. Apparently, if you get the place into a particular type of um, state, then characters from the uh, vanilla game will actually come and visit you, and cool. I don't know what the capacity of that actually is. But I'll check it out. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that could be it. But just like this idea that there's this kind of AI-driven social component is like it's really interesting. I really like it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I was reading um, that uh, The Witcher uh, Three: Blood and Wine does a terrible job of representing women. Yes, I read this today. <laughs> Polygon can go fuck themselves with their <laughs> bullshit touting about how the witcher 3 fucking mistreats women badly and 
all that horseshit. Like persons of color. Uh... Oh, the dude is stretching like you would not fucking believe. So his thing was, um, so the Duchess, and he couldn't, mind you, like this is a guy who's going on about how badly it treats his women. He couldn't even remember her fucking name to write it in the article as well. Um, so he just referred to her as the Duchess uh, or a woman. Um, basically, there's a there's a dialogue scene where you are introduced to to the Duchess Anna, um, and she is you're basically talking to each other. Um, and there's a stage there where you guys kind of ride off together, and and you know you got to go do this task. And in order to get on the horse, she rips off her like this gown that she's wearing, and she has pants on. And then gets on the horse and, like, everybody's shocked at, like, wow, she's, like, this strong woman who's going to go do the, you know, look after things for herself and kind of take off. Um, yeah, and they both ride off together to go look after this threat that Geralt is trying to solve. And that's the scene that he's talking about, saying that she, um, it, it, what was the word that he used? Like, it, um, I can't remember what he said, but it, that was what he was, like, while the next, a duchess, no less, whips off her skirt in broad daylight, ostensibly to better ride a horse. Yeah. Oh, my um, goodness. Is he not even paying attention to what the period is depicting? Like, she's meant to be kind of a higher lady where if she wanted to get from A to B, she would get in a like a, a carriage or something. Like, someone would take her there. But similar she's to like, what a king this. would do. So the fact that she did it has got nothing to do with her being a lady and everything to do with her being royalty, for fuck's sake. And also they the line above that was talking about what she was wearing or what they were wearing being, um, you know, all, all the characters. Oh. It's not re- long before the, no, those clothes are being hauled off to reveal heaving bosoms and lavish, lavish posteriors. Yeah. So, but Job, yeah. there's a screenshot under that of the ladies in there. Yes. What do that, you reckon? Is that revealing? that does look completely out? Especially the one who looks like she's dressed like that. Um, the who's that chick in Game of Thrones who has a castle with a hole in it where like you throw people down the hole into the oh, depths the, of a fucking mountain? The crazy lady with the the, the bitty problem. Yeah, yeah. Like one of them's dressed like that. Two of them are dressed like that. But uh, some of them are showing skin, so obviously uh, it's sexist. Because uh, women aren't allowed to show skin, I think, is his driving points. That seems vaguely sexist. Yeah. So they're, oh, hang on. No, never mind. Um, anyway, uh, we're getting close to opening up the box there, uh, so we will uh, avoid that. Uh, but it does seem like they're grasping at straws. To find anything wrong with it at all. Well, the fact could, that he spent like the majority, like that was his biggest point. Third, yep. Like picking at that shit is that fucking pisses me off. <laughs> uh, you know, he did also asked if the expansion featured any characters or passerbys other than Caucasians, and I assume he was ignoring those who were not human uh, because. I think they've always supposed to represent other races, but whatever. Uh, you know, that's what other, um, you know, what, what dwarves and elves were supposed to represent in most of fantasy generally uh, so that people could talk about topics of uh, race without specifically uh, falling down the rabbit hole of talking about race. But, you know, whatever. There's, there's no room for subtext in a world where you're specifically lamenting the idea that nobody has a super dark tan, 
in the fantasy game with dragons. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's real life, Job. Yeah, no, no, solid points from Polygon. Uh, anyway, uh, so you guys are fans though, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, I'm I'm scared of getting back into it um, only because it seems like there's a lot of content. Like, they're, they're saying it's over 30 hours, but when I looked at that map, I was like, no, there's, hu- there's, there's fucking heaps. Hours. Yeah, there's a lot there. And they must have been talking about the main quests or something. Because that's a huge area. And um, did they show you all the markers on the map as well, Steve? No, I told him not to because I wanted to stop okay. myself. They were super excited to show this game to us. Like, he, every, uh, yeah, I saw things that I can't talk about. Um, but, like, yeah, they showed all the markers off in the game. And I was just like, holy shit, there's a lot there. Um, it's, it seems like a huge game. And there's, like, there's other little things too. Like, you can get – there's a whole subquest about – um, getting new mutations for Geralt. So yeah. they talk about that through the vanilla game where they all got mutated as kids. So imagine, and how painful it was. So imagine the, the idea, A, from a story perspective that you can go through and do that. But B, what you're actually doing is you're uncovering this this particular guy, this Professor, professor Moreau. You, you're discovering like his research into like what they were doing in the witcher schools. Like, Mm-hmm. that's not just a go here, get mutation, move on. Like there's super exposition involved in that. And the fact that it's like the like another DLC and they're still exploring these areas is, I don't want them to give up this game. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's really good. There's um, there's a bunch of new gear as well, uh, new armor. They've <coughs> like redesigned the, the UI as well. Which is yeah, a lot better now. So much better, yeah. Um, it's way easier to like. They did a lot of improvements during the patching um, to that sort of stuff, but they've gone in and overhauled it again, and it's a lot slicker now. It's a bit easier to, to read. Um, you can equip more mutations as well. Um, sorry, not mutations, um, skills, and oh, yeah, assign yeah. Uh, yeah, assign the mutation to it. But there's also like in New Game Plus, there's another level of mutations as well that you can go in and go even deeper into. Yeah, you can't you can't activate them until you do New Game Plus. Yeah, and, and from what like, I heard, it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, and things like there's there's a die merchant now, so you got to if you want to if you really want to personalize your armor because yeah. you're playing a third person game, so why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You can die individual pieces of your armor, um, and you can buy die, you can make die, you can, uh, die is a, a loot drop now. Um, and yeah, there's just so much in it. Like, and I don't even think we've actually really properly scratched the surface. <laughs> awesome. We might have to do like a Witcher Three Blood and Wine app then. Yeah, I had a I had a hard like not an easy time writing my preview, but just like when they say to you, "Oh, here's three hours of the game," that seems like a lot, but it's not in a in an RPG like The Witcher. Because you're you're spending maybe half of that time listening to dialogue or talking to people, um, maybe half of that exploring, and the rest of it is a bit of combat. Like you're only scratching a really small small part of that game and trying to get like a grasp of what's going on. And just in that that amount of time, it seems like you've got you've got a lot, but you you've not touched it at all. So I don't know what else is in that game it has to offer, but it seems like they've done a lot in there. 
Sweet. Yeah. I, uh, last game, Battlefield 1. Uh, all I've got to, uh, for this is... The trailer? <laughs> is a spectacular amount of excitement. But uh, Steve was actually there. When it was. When it was announced. Um, I was uh, out at um, Redwood Shores and they had... Um, it was a really weird event, actually. Yeah. Um, there was... There so were probably- hang on, sorry. They did it at EA's HQ. Yeah. That's fucking weird, isn't it? That's just uh-huh. weird from the, the get-go. Like, you, people listening at home, you might not, like, you've never been to EA's Redwood Shores, but it's it's literally EA's campus. It's where, like, their head office is, and it's a corporate campus. If you've ever been to any of them, it's offices and meeting rooms and shit. It's not really, uh, you know... They do these events in event spaces. They do these events in places where you might see a launch party for shit and stuff, but not at a fucking office. So what, were you all crammed into like a boardroom or what? No, no, no. So so we stayed at the Sofitel, which I know you're familiar with. Yes. Um, And um, so... Uh, we went across to the EA offices and they actually have a theatre in there. So we went into a theatre. But the reason I say it was kind of unique and different was there were only about 10 global media at all and that included four Aussies. Um, Everyone else was an influencer slash YouTube person, um, which is fine. You know, that's sort of the way the wind blows, I guess, at the moment in with Battlefield being the community event that it is among its um, its uh, players and peers, um, it was geared way more towards them. Uh, so what they did is they showed us the trailer. Everyone in there was just cheering and jerking off and, like, it got a little bit, like, orgy-tastic after a little bit and we were trying to get everyone to calm down. Um, and then... Um, so they kind of sat down on the stage and just spoke to us in depth about um, the reason they went to World War One and how they really wanted to kind of prove everyone wrong that it wasn't just about throwing rocks and um, shooting muskets and sitting in trenches, which, although correct, um, that was what they're talking about is more towards the end of the war, whereas early on that really was the reality. Um but they've got some pretty interesting pillars that they're building on, which is it was really the true beginning of um, like an arms race. So all the countries that were involved um, were sort of using technology and utilizing technology to try and outdo each other, uh, which is why the war went on for so long, because it was just iteration upon iteration, you know, and this is the first time people had really seen tanks. Um, Different countries had different types of tanks. Um, So you had, tanks and cavalry going up against one another because some countries didn't have the ability to make tanks. Um, So there's all these really cool and interesting little um, differentiators to something like a World War II or a modern warfare or a Vietnam or whatever else. Uh, But they didn't really give us a lot more than the trailer outside of um, showing us how they were building the worlds. So they were going out and sort of eking out these different sites. So um, from what I can tell, 
maps will take place in the Italian Alps, um, in the uh, Arabian Desert, uh, in um, in and around somewhere in France, and uh, there was another one, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Belgium? They didn't mention Belgium. Any idea what the landscape was like? Because we can probably guess. Russia? Russia would have been a big one. Um, Austria is, is a, was yeah. a key, I think. Um, I mean, if they're going to... Turkey, Gallipoli? No, so I brought that up. I've asked that question. Um, the, it was really frustrating. So I got to do an interview with the lead world designer, mm. uh, Daniel, uh, whose last name um, escapes me at the moment, and because I haven't done my transcript yet. But I had 15 minutes with him, of which about three minutes I got constructive uh, answers to questions. Yeah. Every single thing else was... We can't talk about that right now. So there was no room beyond what they literally showed us on the on the uh, in the second part that you guys haven't seen that uh, they could even elaborate on. So frame by frame trailer analysis though has determined that there is an Australian soldier in the trailer. Right. Yeah, like he's got a, an Australian an Anzac patch on his arm apparently. Because, yeah, I brought it up um, and I was like, you know, we just celebrated Anzac Day. Like, this is yeah. this is something that we would truly, truly love. But what I what I did with all of that was I kind of – because this is, this is where I, I sit on a precipice with this. Because the trailer was amazing. Mm. It, visually, it's it's stunning. Um, I applaud them for, for going and being as bold as they uh, are and, and going back to World War One. But there's a – there's a fine line between being um, having reverence to that, which is you know it's the Great War. It's like World War Two is equally like a big deal, and we've had plenty of video games made about it. But that was a real true um, good versus evil thing. Whereas World War One is a little bit more convoluted and cloudy, and I sort of and you talked to me about this, Joe, when we were chatting about the game um, online, mm. and I said. How are you guys handling making sure that you're basically paying respects to what has happened there and how brutal it was while maintaining, you know, this idea of a video game? Because what I felt was really interesting was that that opening moment in the trailer when that guy with the spiky bludgeon just... Trench club, yep. Trench club just, like, trench clubs the shit out of that dude. All the Battlefield influences in the room basically jumped out of the seat cheering. Mm. And I felt like that was a little bit, like... There's a bit of dissonance there. And um, I brought that up and he was like, oh, you know, we want to respect the period and we want to respect the war, but at the end of the day, it's a video game and it still has to be fun, which is completely fine. I get that. But when you're playing a game where you can literally most likely climb on top of a tank and drop mustard gas within that tank, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it's a fine line, man. Like I don't know how they're going to pull it off. Uh, because they talked, they actually talked about um, they want this game to take people that may not be familiar with World War One into places and into history that they don't know about or may have forgotten about. So they've got this idea in their head that they want to bring this to the light. But then if you're doing that to get XP and um, uh, and 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 get a, like a higher kill count, like at some point you've got to go. All right, so like where's the fine line? But 
And, and, I mean, that first guy, I just brought it up on my alt screen, but that first guy, the dude with the trench club, is a German soldier. Right. The idea of everyone leaping out of their seats to cheer for him, trench clubbing her fucking ally to death. <coughs> bit weird. A little bit weird. I mean, you, you, you said that, you know, it's a bit murky who the good guys and the bad guys were, but, uh, I mean, one side... Yeah. Employed the use of chlorine gas and its deadlier, nastier cousin, mustard gas. And the other side developed a chemical warfare system deliberately to combat uh, the Germans' decision to employ poison gas as a fucking weapon. So, uh, like, one side invented evil <laughs> and the other side... Uh, sort of tried to keep up. But, uh, like, yeah, it's definitely not as clear-cut as one side was putting people into fucking camps and murdering them. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's still... I think there's still... There was a good... There were good guys and bad guys. And yeah, yeah, uh, totally. the, the Germans didn't come off well. And it wasn't just history rewriting itself. Um, they did some fucking awful shit. Um, everyone did awful shit in World War One, But... Yeah, Germans, the Germans, the Germans were fucking pioneering new and terrible ways to do awful shit. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm a, I'm a bit weary about the period and how they handle it um, because there is a single player component. They they focus almost entirely on multiplayer. Yep. Um, which, you know, to their credit was, I guess, part, partly due to the fact that that is what keeps Battlefield alive. And mm-hmm. um, that's what worries me about this kind of reverence thing that I'm talking about because let's be completely honest, they haven't really made a good single-player campaign since Bad Company 2. Sure, yep, definitely. Uh, and, yeah, so what that means, we'll have to wait and see. A um, couple of interesting factoids. Uh, the trailer pre-rolled with an Xbox logo mm. uh, and allegedly what we were actually seeing was pre-alpha um, Xbox one footage so does that speak to the new hardware that's supposedly being shown at e3 right um and clearly they've made that deal because call of duty went down the sony route with um uh black ops 3 yeah i imagine that that's kind of become a sour point um among those among those parties involved i can imagine yep um but uh Everything else sort of seems like it's pretty cool. Um, you can get, you can go out to a battleship and jump into the battleship and just like barrage the shoreline if you so want. You can, apparently, can you drive the ship though? Or can no, you just, see, nah. you, the, the ship just sits out at sea. Um, but they keep talking about land, air, uh, land, air, and sea. So I imagine you can probably get into like some smaller boats and and ride around. Um, rowboats, rowboats, most likely given yeah. the period. No, I think I think the aerial combat's probably going to be the the big the big winner in all of this one, um, and there's just a lot of questions around the horses as well, because they kept saying you can literally take a horse to a tank fight, Indy like, style, with an actual that was their actual quote, but then as soon as we asked them about how that works, they were like, yeah, we can't talk about it. Oh, so whether God. or not that's going to be like a Riley the dog scenario where the horses. Like, can you strap C4 to a horse and then ghost him into a tank? 
can you put your horse on the wings of your biplane, fly out to the battleship, jump out, and then just cavalry ride the fuck out of the person sitting there barraging your, uh, you know, your team or whatever? There's like a lot of really cool, silly things that I think are going to happen, but um, if if they allow it. 64 player servers where there's 64 horses and everyone's just jousting. That's that's my dreams. My my dreams also involve Luke uh, Luke's kitchen apparently falling down behind him, uh, which I think is what we're hearing in the background. <coughs> it's just his backdrop. He doesn't actually have a kitchen. It's a shanty. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just his uh, his green screens falling yeah. down. Uh, he doesn't even have video on at the moment. The green screen's up for no reason, but uh, it is still falling down, and uh, nothing will ever be the same again. He's actually—I think he just sat back down. No, I'm still here. What are you talking Unbelievable. about? Unbelievable! This is the worst thing I have ever heard of in my entire life. Uh, leaving midway through while we're talking about Battlefield One, despicable. I'm still here. I had um, a question about it though. Go. Um, what? What's with the fucking terrible name? Did you ask him, like, who thought See, that? if you hadn't left, then you would have heard because Steve already answered this. <laughs> Did you? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I will answer it for you now. Basically, because there was there was Battlefield and it wasn't called Battlefield 1. I don't give a fuck. And What's then there was Battlefield 2. I don't, I don't care. But because it's World War 1, they were like, let's call it Battlefield 1. All right. Well, you know what they should have called it? Battlefield fucking World War 1 then. The Great Field. I could have just called it Trenchline Battlefield 1. This is going to fuck up everyone's databases. You're going to go into EB Games and be like, can I Battlefield 1? They're going to get so many pre-orders for 1942. It's going to be funny. Because they definitely still sell Battlefield 1942. (laughs) So it's it's going to be a huge problem. Do you know what I found really interesting is we got a notification. um, So when our assets were sent through, uh, they were were tagged with um, uh, BF... I, as in the Roman numeral, uh, and then they, they actually came back and said, sorry, it's not a Roman numeral, it's just the number one. So you go <laughs> with World War One, which is like Roman numerized, why wouldn't you go with BFI? I don't know. It's it just That's weird. That is weird. I, I mean, that, it's it it's like, doesn't matter. It's, it's a dumb fucking name thing. is what it is. But I think they could have called it just Battlefield um, Blimp Wars. I don't know, something... Cool Did you ask about blimps? Can't um, fly blimp. blimp. Uh, we're not. We're not ready to talk about that at this, at this stage. If I, this might, this might guess. This might guess. I want to bet this. I want. I want fucking. I want burrito on this shit. Okay. I want a fucking gelato messina on this shit. They are going to make a Titan mode. They're going to make Titan mode where you invade the fucking blimps. It's got to that's happen. What, that's what everyone, even the influencers there. We're saying is going to happen. All right. Well, don't let me in with the fucking influences, okay? This, there are certain things that I will not stand for, Steve, okay? And being called an influencer is one of them. <laughs> so what I can tell you is um, the game is going to be playable at EA Play next month. Okay. And I'll be out at that. So if we want to do a remote. Um, Genius. Yes. Yes, we can do that. Do uh, and... Um, uh, ben Salter, who was with me on the trip, actually pointed out something that I didn't see in the trailer. I don't know if you've seen it in the breakdown, but the, there's a – actually, no, it wasn't in the trailer because during the second video that they showed, there was a lot of artwork as well, like littered throughout it. And 
there was actually image of a guy in a hot air balloon knifing another guy. So hot air balloons might be a thing too. Fuck yeah. Fuck so yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I mean, they used, they did, they did try to use hot air balloons for a while, but yeah. uh, they were a bit vulnerable. Uh, they mostly use them to drop bombs on opposite trenches. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that they're trying to get away from trench warfare while still trying to be a World War One game, though. Uh, because... Well, what's cool is they, they're not trying to get too far away from trench warfare. They're trying to say that there was more to it than trench warfare. Sure. They are talking about... So there's this thing called bayonet charge, yep. which I don't know how it works, but apparently your hand-to-hand combat in trenches is actually going to be meaningful, not just a, you know, click... Slash, the, yeah. You know, or, or press whatever button. Um in order to just stab someone and then they die immediately. So um, it's going to be really important to see how they actually pull that off. Um, but you will be going through trenches and you will have to do hand-to-hand brutal combat. Hell yeah. Uh, I uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted by Lanik's uh, additions to the conversation. But uh, I was... Um, I, I like I, I definitely accept that it's it's like more than just trench warfare, but like to me it's sort of like saying uh, I don't know, Fanta is more than orange flavor. <laughs> like it's yeah, sure. Uh, fizzy fizzy mineral water is involved, but mostly Fanta is orange flavor, right? Like nobody's fucking nobody's making any fucking allusions here. It's mostly orange flavor involved with Fanta. Um, and like the fizzy the fizzy mineral water portion of Fanta, that's artillery shit where they're just like, at one point the Germans sat there for five days straight bombarding the fuck out of the French. Like literally sleeping in shifts so that they could bombard the fuck out of the French to f- gradually work them back because they couldn't... And, or and like literally running German soldiers in meters behind the shells landing, so they could also kill them uh, while they were sleeping and being fucking bombed and shit. Like, uh, so the two portions of World War One, in my opinion, are generally trench warfare and artillery warfare. Yeah. Um. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they fucking manage. You better be able to. You better be able to fucking do arty like you couldn't BF two or something even better because I think it's an important element and I think they need to do something like really fucking capture that idea. Um, and I think trench warfare. I think doing hand to hand combat is going to be a really good way to to handle that but uh they're gonna have to fucking think about how they nail it because if it just winds up being battlefield with slightly shittier weapons uh i don't know yeah but how, how's it sound though does it sound fucking awesome oh it'll yeah, sound it sounded, sounded amazing and they showed a little bit of like all the when they were capturing sounds and all that sort of stuff as well yeah um i didn't hear once the, the term levolution so you'll be happy with that but i i read it. something you about need it, it. You need the evolution. The diggers were called diggers for a reason, right? 
By Doug. I thought I read something about destructibility, like all the buildings and including the ground at some scale. Was that? Is that yeah, no, there is a there's a huge amount of destruction. I'm just saying they steered clear of that stupid turn. Oh, like, they didn't. Okay. So it's not about you know like their idea was there are going to be these things that actually impact the maps. Like I think it's just if you're in a building and it gets blown up, you're fucked. But um, did you hear anything about tanks being controlled by multiple people? Because I've heard quite a bit about that. So. What they talked about was um, vehicle classes for car- for players, not for the actual vehicles. So the idea, I think the, the theory is that um, you'll actually be able to get uh, um, be, oh, fuck, what's it called when you're in the, uh, ranked up to uh, being able to be a tank driver. So not everyone can jump in and drive the tank. Someone actually has to drive Whoa, it. Whoa, okay, that's interesting. Um, because that also comes in line with the fact that there are pilots and then there are gunners. So the, the planes have a pilot and they have a gunner. They didn't specifically say you and a buddy can go and jump in a plane. They said that you can get in a plane with a pilot. Um, and then you've got the whole idea of the Cavaliers. Um, uh, sorry, the cav- Cavalry. Yeah. Someone gets to be the horse. Yeah. So <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of really like vague kind of ideas thrown out um, and they just weren't being specific on anything. And I tried to get them to talk about what this concept of um, vehicle uh, class types for characters are and he just wouldn't wouldn't budge on it. But, yeah, we'll, apparently we're going to learn heaps more at EA Play. I would play the fuck out of Battlefield 1 DLC horsing around where everybody is a horse. <laughs> Just, just throwing that out and out there. It only, it only like the only thing that'd be better would be Call of Duty: Dogs of War. Obviously, the original animal game, but uh, yeah, horsing around—it's a good idea. Or, or uh, they just go full-blown. Uh, so fucking Netflix, BoJack Horseman. Yeah, yeah. They just everyone's a horse model instead, and it's BoJack Horseman Battlefield. It's a good idea. Uh, I'm fucking amped, though. I mean, you're amped, right, Steve? I'm I'm amped for the first time ever for a Battlefield game. You're going to get a fucking PC, aren't you, Steve? You're going to fucking play with us on PC, aren't you, Steve? Do it. Yeah, I, I, I think my Alienware laptop can probably handle it. Don't be ridiculous. You're going <laughs> to make a new PC. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we said PC, not laptop. Yeah, uh, I have one last question. It's very important. Uh, at any stage, did you go up to the, these uh, influencers and slap them, and then just yell like, "It's a prank, bro"? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they no, because no, that that would have validated them. So no, uh, yeah, that's true. it's just a prank. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> instead, instead, Steve uh, sat there making a tenth of what they make per hour, uh, but. <laughs> Doing forty times the work, so uh, yeah, no, yeah, pretty. They, they, <laughs> the people, the influencers that came with us didn't do anything. Like they didn't actually work. They just watched the trailer with us, and like me and Ben Salter and um, Alan Bell, like <clears> we're <throat> furiously trying to write our shit and get it up. I don't get it. Oh my god, <laughs> I don't get it. Hey, I'm Twitter Battlefield. You, yeah. Here's a million dollars. You fucked hard. Yep. Yeah, they probably actually got paid to attend as well, just to make you feel worse. But uh, yeah, cool. 
Should I do some news? Well, we can do some news. It's going to be very rough news because we don't Annoying. make it up as we go on along That's here. That's good. Um, That's- new Battlefront and Need for Speed will be coming in 2017. So yeah. Battlefront 2... Um, that's not the official name, obviously. Uh, but Need for Speed is going to be skipping this year as well, um, be put on hold. And then they also announced that Mass Effect Andromeda. Is that the name? Yeah. I think yeah. So. yeah. Will early, be, 20, early 2017. Yeah, early next year. So what's the thoughts on this? Did anyone play the, the last Need for Speed? Because I did not. My thoughts are give it like a two-year rest and just bring Skate back already. I think that is the greatest idea I've ever heard of, and it is literally something I've pitched at EA every single time I see anyone that I think might have some influence. Just bring Skate back already, for fuck's sake. Steve yeah. could have told the influencers. Ah, uh, yes. they might have been able to influence them. <laughs> yeah, it's their job, right? Yeah, I think it's uh, literally their job. So I, I also found it really curious that um, in, when they talked about Battlefront 2, or with like, you know, placeholder title, that it was because now that the new movie's out, they've got the new movies will be out. They've got more places that they can explore rather than the previous worlds, not acknowledging that they didn't even explore that many of the like previous worlds or anything. And that they were also on, um, uh, was it, uh, Jack, Juku, Jaku, Jaku, Jaku. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Juku. What the fuck? Have you even seen him? Everybody loved Endor. Endor is every is part of everybody's favorite Star Wars movie. So, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi uh, with the Ewoks. So, um, yeah, why would they go to Dagobah, which I think everyone hated? Well, we uh, seem to have lost Job. Like, why can't they just? Will Will they do this though and be like, well, um, this one's going to be better than the last game? Like, surely we, they've like, got to have a single up. player and co-op in the next one. They've got to do it. I don't understand. Like, look, personally, I'm fucking my shit's jacked up for Battlefield One, right? But they lit like the last game. If they're as good as the last game they released, it was fucking Star Wars Battlefront. So what the fuck is going on here? Why is everyone fucking? Why would anyone care about Battlefront 2? Like, I don't understand how that's getting any traction at all. It's crazy to me. Because it's Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, but everyone said about that last game. Like, oh, it's Star yeah. Wars. It's going to be awesome, man. It wasn't. Nobody it was, bought it. <laughs> it was, well, people bought it. They just Fucking sold it. amazing. Nobody played it because it was just shithouse. Yeah. What I get worried about now is when you look at DICE. So they've got Battlefront, they've got Battlefront 1. Mm. Uh, Battlefield 1, sorry. Battlefront, Mirror's Edge, Bad Company, Battlefront Two, um, and bad then Company playing, Three, Bad Company Three, and then they're playing support to Frostbite across the whole EA spectrum. Is this a is this a development studio spread too thin at this point? Hey, no, I think they've question. just become to a point where they're like where the Assassin's Creed team, like they like Ubisoft, is making this game, but it's eight different studios that are making it. I think they've gotten to the point where they're... Everyone's dice. Everyone is dice, yeah. Oh. yeah. They've got all kinds of dice. D20s, D12s, D6s. Kind uh, of the, the same thing they did it with um, the Bioware studio. Like, we're now Bioware. And yeah, they yeah. ran fucking Bioware into the ground. All right, don't... There's no need for the cynicism, okay? Uh, speaking of cynicism, 
how unlikely is it that Titanfall 2 comes out this year? <laughs> right? It's supposed to come out alongside Battlefront. Uh, sorry, Battlefield 1. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Hey, by the way, Respawn, um, fuck you, I guess. Like, uh, nobody cares about Titanfall 2 at all. And we're going to drop Battlefield 1 alongside it. So, uh, yeah. you know how your first game launched and then died out very quickly? Uh, we're going to make it happen again. Like, even it doesn't matter how much work you put in, we're going to make it happen again. Yeah, there, there's no way. Especially, I mean, I know nobody gives two shits about Call of Duty at this stage, but with both of those games within a couple of weeks of each other... Yeah, and Titanfall like falling in the middle there somewhere. No way, it's got to be 2017. It has to be. I reckon March. I reckon March 2017. Yeah, I think so as well. Because uh, yeah, Cause you- it's just too mean. I think too mean even for like the meanest possible idea that you could do to someone. But also, like- they can't do it at the end of 2017 because then they're going up against Star Wars. Even if you literally just picked up. Like, but at the beginning of 20, 2017, they're going against like Andromeda, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. different games. But even if you just like literally just picked up Respawn to fuck with Activision and Infinity Ward, even if it was literally just out of spite and then you were going to let them twist in the wind until they quit, right? Just to like some Game of Thrones shit. Right, just to fuck with Activision, you still wouldn't do that to them. You still wouldn't make them release it between Battlefield and Call of Duty. I still, I think that's still just too harsh. But yeah, uh, speaking of respawn, though, they're making a new Star Wars game, <laughs> apparently. Right, but, but it's a third-person action game, so uh, that's a bit different. Another are they? One? Yeah, are they working on the Amy Hennig one? Uh, that's the theory, I think. Right. But they've got their own studio. That's what I thought. Because so, a, because wasn't Jade Raymond looking, overseeing all that stuff now as well? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they're working on it alongside it while they, I don't know. I think it's just another Star Wars game. They've got the license, so they're just like, let's do it. Let's make fucking Let's fucking shit. run let's Star Wars in the ground. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just it's weird to announce it now because I thought this E3 would at least like highlight the visceral Star Wars, which is likely to be this year. That's that's what I'm ta- yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, I don't know, what are they doing? Who knows? Maybe they, maybe they're trying to short EA stock and they're like announcing all this shit at once so they can sell high or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's not a bad theory. Uh, it's not the worst theory I've ever had. Um, we need... I wish I was a forensic accountant. And then I could work all this shit out, you know? But uh, unfortunately, my ability with maths is limited to just... Two numbers. Any two numbers you can think of. <laughs> that are two digits long. Uh, yeah. Sad but true. Disney Infinity is donezo. Yeah. As quickly as EA announced all of those games, <laughs> Disney just as quickly just said, hey. we're, out of, we're out of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're done with video games in general. Fuck it. Um, yeah. It's pretty <laughs> odd. We made all this money on the fucking Star Wars movies. We don't need to be doing video games. We just worked out just movies. Star Wars, but all the Marvel properties as well. Yeah. And, and It does mean no Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah, they could. So, no, what they said is they're no longer 
self-publishing. Yeah, they still license it. Yeah, which is a key. Yeah, it's a key component there. Mm-hmm. And let's let's not. I mean, Disney came in, and the first thing they did with Lucas Arts was they got rid of Lucas. Uh, sorry, with Lucasfilm is got they got rid of Lucas Arts. True. They farmed out the IP um, to well to EA, but. So what does that mean? Does that mean EA now picks up Disney Infinity type stuff? Is that is that the next thing? Maybe. I mean, if you bought a bunch of Disney Infinity stuff, would you be mad? It's not all out yet as well. There's new shit coming out. Oh, okay. <laughs> With no hope of any support. Yeah. There's plenty of people that that we all know um, very well who have kids that actually play those games with their kids that are delivered. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, and rightly so, but I mean, I don't know. Was it, did it seem like that bad a business model? I thought it was a pretty popular brand. I, I thought so too. I, I mean, think it's the prices that's maybe its problem because they look like really cool toys. I think they were coming in after Skylander had already really established itself. And so they were leaning very heavily on the known properties. Mm. Yeah. And perhaps those known properties didn't have as much pull as they'd hoped. Right. And I think there's elements of Disney that they won't allow Disney Infinity to touch, which means, yeah, they are uh, Disney Infinity is sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. What do they do? Like, now you can be fucking Greedo for some reason, uh, if you want. I don't know. And, uh, and also the mop from Fantasia, but you can't be Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the fucking reject crew from... You can be the characters from... What was that fuck? Epic Mickey too. <laughs> As if anyone cares. On Endor. <laughs> On Endor. Everyone's favorite fucking planet. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's sad. It's pretty sad, but... um. I don't know. Lots, a lot of people there have lost jobs of- over that as well. Yeah. Like, they were putting numbers out there of, like, 300 people from what I've seen. Really? I, I didn't see that number. That's fucking... That's crazy. That's huge. Or Will are, are possibly losing their job. Right. Yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, it's a bummer. Born out for your fallen homies. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege Patch. Yeah, we got big hard-ons for this game. This motherfucking week, motherfuckers. It's out now, isn't it? Uh, it's out tomorrow. Tomorrow, right. Uh, it's huge. It's two new operators, new map, heaps of fucking balance uh, changes. Uh, not the promised anti-cheat, but uh, apparently a lot of work towards fixing the, the anti-cheat anyway. Um, and of course the first couple of days will be cheat free because, uh, cheaters never play in the first few days of a patch. Uh, new, we talked about the new operators already. One of the operators has a fucking shield on his gun. Yeah. Which we now know how that works. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy OP. And, uh, the other one is able to throw cameras wherever she wants, which is pretty cool. Uh, the new map is border. Border. I like it. I don't know. I, I think it looks cool. Hmm. Uh, it, it's not like when they announced it was called Dust Line, I thought it was going to be very D Dust, but it's not like that. It sort of reminds me of, um, I guess, Embassy um, from the, not Embassy, Museum from Rainbow Six, Rory Spear. 
um, but obviously uh, a little bit more open, um, which is cool. Uh, they still haven't fully done museum, but it's pretty close. It's pretty cool. Uh, and yeah. Customization, new customizations are in there, uh, new headgear. Mm. So you'll be able to change what people look like. Um, charms on the weapons, which are yep. pretty cool, I think. I don't care, but yeah. They look rad. Um, they're changing, uh, there'll be like an end, end game screen where you can see like who's on your team and who the MVP is. So Job will never see that. But <laughs> he'll get to see me up there. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, and, uh-huh. and that's cool because it'll show off all your um, everybody's gear as well. Because you don't really see that unless you're like actively looking at what your team's got on. So this will kind of show off all that cool cool shit that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you're now able to customize your loadout in between rounds, which is good because you never used to be able to do that. It used to be outside the game you would have to do that um, sort of changes. Yep. So this is a, a good new addition because you know sometimes you might want to. Um, change up the way your weapon works like whether or not it's silenced or um, change the recoil on it put a you know minimize the flash like now you can do that on the fly which is very handy mm-hmm. um, yeah game balance changes uh, gameplay optimizations so um, the way some of the operators work and what they're able to do mm-hmm. which is good uh, one of the biggest things that I think is good that's on there is they've changed the camera location of where people's like where they're looking compared to their head yeah um so before you would be you would be maybe looking over um a specific object and you wouldn't be able to see the other team or the other person but the other person on the other side would be able to see the top of your head and they would be able to shoot it at, at you but like so sort you, of, you didn't know you could see that it. your camera, Steve, to just like to give you an idea, was sort of embedded in your so mouth the top of your neck, neck. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you would sort of you'd peek out and you'd have to raise your head a lot over the cover to right. be able to see. But now apparently they've adjusted it to a point where it's not uh, quite like that, which is cool. Yeah, that's really uh, good. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it and I might try and play some some games with you guys in the coming weeks oh definitely man um yeah it's uh i mean we've got a good crew together so it'll definitely be worth playing with us we can carry you a little bit and- on pc mind you are you gonna yes, PC? yes I, I, i'm capable of playing it. <laughs> yeah uh speaking of pc wait uh, hold up oh what else they changed Jesus. they changed fucking nerd for this shit go on Mont- montage <laughs> what they changed his shield Oh, it's even better now, isn't it? It's fucking crazy. Yeah, because I guess his biggest pro- so this guy was basically like your um your big tanky dude with this giant shield uh, that went from the floor to basically his head. Um, the biggest problem that people faced with him was because it's a game where there's multi levels. The moment someone was at at an angle higher than you, could they could just shoot you in the head? Um, now they've basically got cover above their the head region, so that sort of thing will be a bit harder to do, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and they've also extended out the sides a bit more as well. So when you're kind of looking around corners and peering um, to kind of get a, an angle on people, that that will help the people behind you as well. Yeah. So that's a really good change. It'll make our strat where we are sneak into the kill room <laughs> and just then plant. plant the bomb right behind the shield and then walk out again. It'll make it pretty fucking pro. Uh, it's already literally one of the least, the shittiest things you could do. It'll be even worse now. 
yeah. thumbs up. Uh, for the pro scene, the biggest mm. change they made was they, uh, the recruit was one of the ones that people were choosing a lot because of the way that he um, was able to maneuver really quickly and also have his shield. Uh, they've now nerfed him, so I don't think we'll see any more recruit in competitive play. Yeah, Not that we really saw that, but... No. Um, I guess they're adjusting for for competition as well, which is which is good. Yeah. Which is good because there's some fucking awesome games playing competitively, which we've talked about before. We have. Uh, it's a really fun game to watch, and uh, the way they're kind of attacking that is is really interesting. Cool. I, I'm keen. I'm so fucking keen. Me so too. This weekend. I'm pumped. We'll, uh, well, we'll see. But uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll be able to jump in with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last bit of news: the 10 series of Nvidia cards was announced, and it's fucking bananas. It's for like literally crazy people. Um, it's is this, is this what we're going to build my PC around? It's what we're going to build your PC around? Uh, the 1070 is apparently outdoing the fucking Titan in uh, in VR shit, and is as good as the Titan in regular shit, which is like regular gameplay. Uh, which we're talking like everything on Ultra. The Titan is currently like a $1,000 card, maybe like fucking $1,200 card. And the 1070 is the budget 10 series card, the fucking cheap one. Uh, The 1080 is better than... Yeah, exactly. The 1080 is better than fucking two 980s in SLI. And obviously SLI doesn't necessarily mean uh, two times a 980, but... uh, that doesn't matter. It's still better than DOS of them. It's apparently better than two of them if you were to combine the frames, but that's some fucking garbage sort of statistic bullshit. Like, you can't really measure that. Uh, that's not real benchmarking. That's sort of fucking, yeah, uh, shaky shit. And then there is um, there's another... There's, there's, more, there's other versions, the founder versions, that are apparently even... Even better again. But we're talking like 8 gig of RAM on the cards themselves. It's DDR, TDR5X RAM, which is apparently even better. It's all running Pascal. Apparently, it all runs really well with DirectX 12. But again, we're going to have to wait to see actual benchmarks to make sure it actually does. But at this point, it looks like everyone seems to think it's legit. Um, like they're not talking out their ass this time, which... Is pretty fucking exciting. So we're talking about for the cheapo version, we're probably looking at about six hundred bucks uh, Australian, which is very very reasonable. Yes, uh, and it's gonna like the upgrade it will represent to a computer is staggering, which is interesting considering the. Um, the rumors about the new hardware for the consoles, I think, because it sort of represents a requirement. Like, you could get a 1080 and guarantee that you have the best fucking game uh, graphics card for the next couple of years, or a graphics card that's able to play fucking anything uh, that comes out for the next couple of years, but it would still be overkill if the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One stayed at the position that they're at like it would still be it would be massive overkill because while games are still being developed with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One in mind they are instantly hamstrung by the the uh 
hardware of those two machines. And so you can't possibly require that much more unless you start to go to 4K or 8K. And it's, I mean, I don't have any fucking, I don't know, uh, need to go to 4K or 8K. Um, So, yeah, it's like the the difference that a 1070 will literally leap you into being able to play everything at 1080p and 60 frames per second that a console game could play at fuck maybe like 720p and 30 frames per second like the difference is ridiculous so it's pretty exciting and then uh so that launches at the end of this fucking month those cards come out at the end of this month which is fucking awesome uh and amd are gonna announce their cards i think two weeks from now okay so Uh, all this this is just pre-e3 as well so hopefully there'll be some good so Good stuff on the show. Oh. Yeah, and it should lead to some interesting announcements from the console manufacturers, but I don't think they can afford to uh, split their user base too much. I definitely don't think Xbox One can afford to uh, release a different version of their console because the the install base for the Xbox One I don't think is big enough from like just the get go. I don't think they have that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, like, whether or not what we're going to be getting is just a slimline with bigger storage mm. of both, which is what apparently is happening, or if there's legit more. The the PS4K, I believe the rumors now. Like, uh, there's, uh, there's still rumors to me, but I I believe there's a really good chance that they're on point. Um, so we're going to see a console that is capable of... 4k resolution uh video output but i don't know that the games i i don't think it's going to matter that much to games i think it's going to matter more to um dvd and shit home home theater i don't know luke any thoughts uh yeah i guess we talked about it already but like it's it's i think it's just going to be like they've if those leaked guidelines were true, then yeah, it seems like they know what they're doing. They're not going to split the user base, so we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, that's about it. We're going to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, before we go, we didn't get any emails this week, which is devastating. Uh, I I love emails, and we've I been getting emails. heaps. We have been. I've been loving them. I read them out last week while I was fucking hammered. Maybe that's like, why we didn't get any. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, Send us more emails. We did get some cool uh, videos from Miracle, who uh, was playing the Overwatch beta and uh, might actually be some sort of Overwatch god. But uh, the kills they were getting were fucking bananas. We posted one of them up on our Twitter. So check that out at the GA podcast. It's crazy. Like fucking, he gets a six person kill as um, the the tank chick. I don't know. I can't remember. Um but yeah, just sets him up and knocks him down. It's fucking crazy. It's a really good kill. Uh, uh, yeah, but send us send us emails, send us tweets, send us Facebook messages. You know I love that shit. Yeah, uh, it's facebook.com slash the GA podcast. Yep. And uh, you can find us on iTunes, Android, Windows Store as well, the GA podcast or the Gap. Uh, you can search for us on there. Um, our website as well, thegapodcast.com. 
And we're all on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash Luke Laurie, L-A-W-R-E. Job is... At Joby Jojo. Steve's on there, but do you use it much? Not really. Uh, starting to try and use it. You're probably just going to get spammed with a lot of AFL talk with me, but it's um, at Steve underscore Farrelly. Um, cool. And I do engage if people engage me. I'm just one of those guys. Nice. Um, have you got anything happening this week, Job, anywhere? Uh, yeah, I, I've written some stuff on uh, RedBull.com. I will have a Shadow Warrior 2 preview up on Friday. Um, and uh, I think I'm going to put up a What's Wrong with Battleborn on the JAPodcast.com. Uh, so that should be up tomorrow. So it'll be up the day before this comes out, which is cool. Uh, and uh, before the next episode comes out, I will have reviewed Doom for IGN. Which is interesting because they're not sending that to anybody. No, they aren't, which is why I'm doing it. I think uh, it's going to be trash. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that it might be. Uh, yeah. I, I think the excuse that they're using, which is uh, that they don't want people to um, experience it without having played the multiplayer or snap map, I don't think it holds any weight, especially considering apparently you can use snap map without access to the servers because the game's already fucking broken street date. And people are using Snap, Snap Map already, so the the excuse that Snap Map requires access to the servers is horseshit. Uh, so that means that uh, yeah, I think they might be uh, hedging their bets a little, mm. which is a shame. Yep. Uh, for me, you can find most of my writing at the moment on Survivor.com. I did a preview for Overwatch. Um, I think that went up last week. Yep. Uh, bef- yeah, it was last week. Um, and then also this week I did, yeah, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt um, expansion, Blood and Wine. You can check that out. And I've got some other things going up there quite shortly, which will be my Battleborn review as well. I'll be doing that one. Um, cool. Quite, quite busy these last two weeks. Super busy. Look you go. Oh, speaking of uh, IGN, though, I forgot to mention uh, I am on a special two-person version of the podcast this week where we just talk about Hearthstone. So if you want to hear me talk about Hearthstone too much, you can go listen to that. We do like, actually this will be another week where I've done like fucking four hours of podcasting. Cause we did that for an hour and a half and we've done this for two hours and a half. So bang, bang. There you go. Steve, uh, what do you write? You wrote about battlefield one. Go read that on fucking Oz gamers. Fuck. Yeah. yeah wrote about battlefield really one. Also got my blood and wine. Uh, preview up today so that's the main feature on the site I'll have my Uncharted 4 review on Friday uh, so if you want to get angry and have your blood boiling you can probably go over that um, <laughs> and like Job you can always head over to redbull.com where I tend to throw up a few little bits and pieces here and there but I will be back at E3 this year so that's the big one for me yeah, and okay. I've got lots and lots and lots is that the 20th time you've been now you're getting close right uh, I think this is 14 14 do you get like a uh, long service leave at number 15 or what? Yeah. I feel like I should get a free, a free sub at least. I think so, yeah. <laughs> free sub. You get your own like room. You get your own booth. You'll be able to this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nobody else's booths. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm I, like, there's not a lot of games that we know about like, outside of a handful that we spoke about on this um, podcast. So I actually think there's going to be a lot more at this E3 than people are giving it credit for. 
Fair but enough. I could just be hope- being hopeful because I didn't go last year when all the really cool stuff. I mean, everyone who knows you, Steve, just knows that you're going to go hang out and play Zelda the entire fucking time anyway because you're a fucking Nintendo tragic. So what's the, what's no, no. the fucking Let, point? How, why don't I go and play a, a version of a game before that same game releases on a better console? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the best idea in the world. Look at him throwing shade at his old favorite and old faithful. He can't I haven't be stopped. My my Wii U is literally just for my son to play to watch Netflix on. Like that's it. <laughs> Damn. So yeah. Anyway, that's that. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you all next week. Next week we'll talk about Doom, I guess. Doom Uncharted. Yeah. Um, we'll be talking about Master of Orion as well. Oh yeah. Ah oh, yeah. Okay. And hopefully Stellaris, which is along the same. That's way. paradox. Yes. But uh, very similar. All right, cool. Peace out, homies. See you, Steve. Thanks. See you guys. Bye.